Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. I'm Dan Rather, and I'm joined by the birthday girl, Monica Pladman. Hello. Hi, happy birthday. Old lady here. An old gal. <laughs> An old, old faithful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> old trusty. <laughs> Start talking about you like you're a horse. <laughs> old... Old, old, old gal. Don't old, they call them old, old gal? This old gal has seen a lot of miles. Yeah. I've, oh, geez. I've seen every darn valley and plateau on the back of this old gal. <laughs> oh, gee. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's getting <laughs> Okay. That's um, we have a wonderful comedian on today, Tig mm. Nataro. She's not just a comedian. She's also a podcaster, a writer, and an actor. She's been in the podcast game much longer than us. She's a veteran. Oh, yeah. Talk about a sweet old gal. I mean, she's not, well, no, I can only give it to you. You're right, you're right. So what what a young, fresh face. So she has a new podcast out now called Handsome Podcast with Fortune Feimster and Mae Martin. What a title, Handsome Podcast, and it's terrific. Also, if you would like to see her do stand up, she is taping a new special at the King's Theater in Brooklyn on November 4th. Mm. You can go get tickets at tignotaro.com. Please enjoy Tig. We are supported by Taco Bell. Ooh. Oh, man. We often do two recordings a day, and we have this little nice lunch break that we enjoy, and we're always craving something really yummy. Yeah, something fresh, something high quality, something like the all-new cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell, which is mm. exactly that. Mm. It's so yummy. It has slow-roasted chicken, the pico, that purple cabbage, and an avocado verde salsa sauce. Oh, delicious. Outrageous. The new cantina chicken tacos, burrito, and quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new cantina chicken menu at Taco Bell now. We are supported by Canva. When your work looks good, you look good. So make sure you create stunning presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos with Canva. It's a must for your professional life and so easy to use. Just grab one of their designer-made templates or use the power of AI to generate something in seconds. Then add what you need. You can even pull images, graphs, and more from their massive library, and boom, you're done. I have a few friends who've used it for fun like invitations or itineraries and it does look so professional and nice yeah it's clean and classy and the best part you need zero design experience to get a really high-end looking product out of it and 90 percent of fortune 500 companies trust canva to help them get the job done get your work done and make it look good with canva start designing today at canva.com c-a-n-v-a.com designed for work He's an upstairs. He's an upstairs. I just taped those to the I ceiling. Think that's a trash bag on the way. Oh God! Oh, oh God! That's why. Oh God! You scared <laughs> the hell out of me <laughs> because I was expecting her face yeah. and then your face <laughs> We're both burnt to a crisp. And yet a different version as well of her face. Yeah. So it was kind of like a third. This face comes piece. at a price. So Honestly, you gotta get a facial. 
I wouldn't have noticed. <laughs> I honestly wouldn't have. I'm somebody, I used to work at a coffee shop almost 30 years ago. My everyday barista had green hair one day. I didn't even clock it. I filter things very differently. I'm just like, okay, there's hair on the head. Everything's fine. But I notice other things so much. Like, I can detect a, a change in the emotional current quite well. Anything emotional stuff. You got a new jacket? I don't know if that's yeah. new or not. I didn't uh, notice. You know. That is quite comical from my perspective, and I know Monica's too, where I'm like, can you grab something out of my purse? Now, I've carried the same purse for probably eight or nine months. <laughs> Every place I go, it's always on my body, and he's like, what does it look like? And you I'm have like, like 19 bags. I do, but yeah. I have carried one for the last nine months. I'm like, it can't be that you haven't noticed this thing that's attached to my chest. Right, I, the issue is, I'm glad we're clearing it up now. <laughs> it's, I don't know what is the purse and what's the purse. So you're also carrying, you have three oh. different bags that you carry everywhere and you rotate between. Well, those are those to me. <laughs> yeah, diaper bags. Well, your own stuff too. You can own, you have a lot of your own items. Sure, sometimes. You have like so many bags. This could be a coin purse. This could be... So we no. need to define uh, purse. This could be a, a fanny that's really pack. That's the issue. That's, this big you're right. thing. There you're right. That's a purse. Could be a it's pacemaker. Everything. Could be a, pa a, a external yeah, pacemaker. could be a pacemaker. Old fashioned. He doesn't know. Heart defibrillator. Especially if it's coins are jingling That's around. That's true. Could be a pacemaker. He doesn't need to know. Look at his chair. No, look at him. Yeah. Take a look. Yeah, I'm so Take a look. Take, Take it, it in. in. Okay. Honestly, I just have to tell you, I thought about this. I was like, it would be so nice to see Kristen, but I imagine probably everyone that comes over wants to see Kristen. So I was like, I'm just going to let it go. I'm just not going to even try to see Kristen. We only invite her for the special up. ones. I have come up to see two people. This isn't true. Peter Atia. In the history of the podcast. That's not true. I have to fact three people. Who's the third? Peter Atia, you, and Laura Linney. That's right. Okay, well, I'm going to post that. Do it. On my cat's Instagram. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. There have been three people rubbed? who I've been excited to see. Well, I'm thrilled to see you. I also still want to make an appointment for a cold plunge here. A hundred percent. In yeah. fact, we just changed the filter, yeah. and we realized that we had been using it for the last couple months, thinking we were getting so good at cold plunging. I had thoughts of, I'm Weinhoff, or whatever his name Winhoff, is. Yeah, the Winhoff method. I'm doing this. Right. I could live in the Arctic Ocean if I desired. That's yeah. how good at cold plunging I am. Cut to, we change the filter, we realize it's definitely been clogged. The new filter, it's gone down by 20 degrees. Oh yeah. I went in it and I was like, what happened? I was in it yesterday, it said 51. Now I'm in it today, it says 52. And it's a completely different experience and I can't handle it and my bones hurt. And I got out, I was like, I don't know what the fuck happened. It says the same temperature. Yeah. yeah. Now this is a big mystery in our life. My hypothesis is that because now the jet is unclogged and it's circulating the water inside there, uh -huh. you can't create that little bubble around yourself. That's what kind of happens, at least when we do it in the pool, is you get yeah. the bubble. And when the kids would walk by, it's 20 degrees cooler. You got to turn on your heart light, create the little bubble of warmth. Mm, oh I did a very quick cold plunge. I had never done a cold plunge. Kristen had invited me. I don't know if you know this. Kristen invited me to your house to do a cold plunge. I did know. And then I broke my ribs or... That was Allison Janney broke my ribs. Oh, oh specifically. And I could not cold plunge and had to reschedule. And I really want to do a reschedule. Should we pause right now and get you in the cold plunge and then resume? Is that what you're suggesting? No, I'm telling you, I did one for, <laughs> oh! for one second. Not oh. at your house, though. We were in Montauk, New York. Our hotel had a cold plunge tub and a hot tub and a pool. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. 
And it was really vulnerable because a bunch of strangers were around and I was going to go submerge into a freezing cold tub. And I walked in, I got up to my chin and immediately got out. It was painful. You need to be prepped. Yeah. The prep I got was a strange man that was in the hot tub with me. He was like, go for it. That was the uh, <laughs> yeah. advice. That's the only thing he's ever said to me in his whole life. Okay. Well, that's cool. <laughs> if he had to pick a single thing he said to yeah. you, that's a good one to say. Yeah. Go for it. And so I went for it. We would have told you some things to expect that I do think help the experience, which is your body only sends that signal, like, get the fuck out of here. You're going to die for 30 seconds. For most people, like 20. So really, you just go in knowing, yeah, my body's going to be screaming, get out of this lethal situation. But after 20 seconds, your body goes, oh, shit, no, we're staying. So now we got to start sending the opposite chemicals to help you deal with this, the fact that you're freezing Mm, to death. mm -hmm. If you had known, okay, I got to get in there. It's going to be miserable, but I'm going to count to 20 seconds. And then that'll start dissipating and get more enjoyable. Maybe that would have helped, do you think? Not that go for it isn't awesome. No, it was very helpful. Uh, it got me. I went for it. <laughs> yeah. And then I got out and I was like, oh boy. I got into the hot tub and then went and met up with my family. We're going to offer you a little bit more than a go for it. We're going to offer... Dinner? Some dinner. We're gonna, nice and full. Car service? We're going to offer... We'll talk about car service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, a hand holding. I'll have a timer. Anything you need. A towel that's ready. Here's what I often do is I'll put the towels in the dryer. Mm. I thought so you were say the hot tub. Real. <laughs> with it, and then they'd be wet. Yeah. But warm. But yeah. warm and wet. Yeah. Anytime you want, it's open. If he had said just do it, Nike, would you have just done it? Well, I just did it anyway. Yeah. So know? I think right. you wanted, I wanted to do to. it. No matter what he said, I was going for it. Okay. What well, if he said, don't do it? <laughs> then even longer, maybe. Maybe he would have gone I've 20 seconds. I've been wanting seconds. to do it for so long. How are you with a sauna? Have you been in and out of a sauna? Yeah. Okay, and do you enjoy that? I do. But I'm also very menopausal, and so I'm always in a sauna. You're already Mm. running hot. Yeah, I'm running hot. And I always explain to Stephanie, my wife, who's 15 years younger than me, it's as though I am trapped in a sauna Mm. with a mask on, fully clothed, and I want to get out. And I can't. We'll be just out to dinner. I'm like, oh God, feel my stomach. I, I like, I'm always grabbing her hand and running it. And she's like, gross. I get it. I know. I can see. And I'm like, but you don't understand. You don't understand. We got to hit on Stephanie for just two seconds because I know Stephanie. She told me. Yes. yes we, we did From UCB. UCB. And we did a commercial together. Which one? Amazon. Very big commercial. Super oh, Bowl. It's oh, the biggest yeah. Company. With uh, what's his name? With Bezos. Jeff Bezos. Yeah. <gasps> But you weren't in frame with him, were you? Like he in a was shot? on the opposite side of the camera. You know how the cameras work? He was physically with you? Yeah. Oh, he was? Mm-hmm. Did you chat with him at all? Quickly. It was very nice. Very built. I was just going to say, was he Jack? He ding, was. Ding, ding, ding. Peter Atia, I think, got him in shape. He never said that, oh, but that's what we think happened. Wow. Okay. What a metamorphosis. Anyway, love Stephanie. Shout out. I love her, too. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Good to know. Join yeah. the club, guys. Yeah. We're heading into 11 years. You love years. her as well? Do you have so her? much. Oh, you, and you have personal anecdotes about her? Well, yeah, because we work together. We work together, the three of us, and Ryan Hansen mm-hmm. yes. for the last year and a half. Okay, so you had lots of meetings with Stephanie. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Pre-strike. 
pre pre strike. This is in the seventies. Yeah. <laughs> this, this was this was a long time yeah. ago. We were you guys getting, were talking about Burt Reynolds as the yes, lead of the yeah. show. Yes. I thought. Pre the original strike, yeah. actually. We were getting creative together. She's a dreamboat. She's so fun and lively and a very good writer. She's so talented. Now, fifteen years younger though. Yeah, we gotta I'm a go little there. curious if you get frustrated at all that you don't share some of the same references. Like I was reading your book. You were talking about you and your mother's love for television. Of course, you're listing all these shows. And for me, it means the world. Welcome Sanford back, Carter, Son. Sanford and Son, The Jeffersons, all these shows. Black sitcoms in the 70s. Yes, we're on fire. Nothing better. Is there any sadness that there's some references you guys don't share that you feel like are foundational to who you are? And I know you're a comedian, but I want you to answer that sincerely. Yeah, okay? I don't am, start, I, I don't am, take the pen out and start no, writing No, no. I don't reference a lot of TV and film. I'm more of a music person. And Stephanie is very well versed in music. And I'm a 70s kid, and she feels like the 70s, that was a sweet spot for filmmaking and music. And so we're kind of on the same Aligned page there. there. The only thing that she kind of missed was that sweet spot of the 70s sitcom. She's a little more... Like, I don't even know. Boy Meets World. I, I don't know, like, even know. How, how, she's my age-ish, right? She's, how old is she? She's 37. Okay, okay so you yeah. You guys are Mary yeah, Kate virtually the exact same. Yeah, yes. I don't even know what she watched, honestly. Did yeah. you ever dip into like Fall Guy, Dukes of Hazard, oh, any yeah. of the action, Simon yeah, yeah. and Simon? I do think it's relevant because shows and movies got more realistic, which is cool. We liked it. But also there's something about this weird world that existed on TV back then yeah. that you aspired to or I thought of is obtainable maybe. I was also really into things like little animal shows where you're like friends with a porpoise. BJ and the Bear. Yes. That's a long haul truck driver with a chimpanzee in his cab. Yes, please. Yes. It makes total sense. Yeah. And I thought that's something I'd like to do when I grow up. There was a lot of content about truck drivers. Yeah. When I was a kid, being a long haul truck driver seemed like something I was pretty interested in. And I don't think that Stephanie got that or did you get that, Monica? No, but I don't know that that would have. I never had any dreams of being yeah. a long haul trucker. No. None? Really? Nope. Okay. Really? No, yeah. <laughs> Look me in the eye what and tell shocker. me you were not dreaming of being a long-haul trucker. Mm -mm. What was it? Going to the bathroom behind the wheel? Why didn't it appeal to you? You're out there adventuring. You could go to the bathroom in front of the wheel. Yeah. You're a long-haul trucker. But no you gotta go. you're by yourself the whole time. No, you were the chimp. Oh. Well, hold you on. Yeah. And you got a CB. Yeah. Honk, honk. And the air horn, yeah. Okay. <laughs> If you're making it more appealing. Yeah, don't they do honk honks? Yeah, but it's honk honk. <laughs> you can also be like honk honk if you feel like. Well, if I must bring out my famous horn, uh, that's not the sound of it. <laughs> See, I'm not right for it. I'm going to let you guys talk, but I no, love right. you. I really, really am so happy to see you, and I'm glad you came and up here. And we're going to do it. For real, we're going to do it. What? Anything you want. The cycle. That's what the I cycle. wanted to hear. <laughs> right. Anything's on the table. Okay. I love you guys. Bye, I love mother. You. Bye. How awesome that you're married to Kristen Bell. Yeah, it's worked out pretty good. Yeah. Going on uh, 17 years, I think. Wow. It's a good gig he's yeah. got. It's good work if you can find it. I've had its ups and downs. Of course. I'm married to her, too, in some ways. Uh-huh. Are you I married? Like no. Because Stephanie and I always say, well, I, <laughs> I told her one time, I said, I am crazy about you. <laughs> But 1% of the time. Tell me what happens in I that 1%. I cannot think of a worse person 
alive on this planet. Yes, thank like, you it for is, saying that. It is bottom rung, terrible, I cannot stand you. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. she said, yeah, same. But don't you think that 1% is the time where this person embodies everything that's standing in my way of doing what I want to do? It's actually not about them as much as like, they're this huge roadblock for me to do whatever the thing is I want to be doing in this moment. Yeah. And they're not going to allow that. You got to always check in. And there's so many little things, especially being a comedian. I mean, I used to not ever have to run anything by anybody. I just said and did whatever I wanted. And I had girlfriends or I was single. Now I've got a spouse and I'm not complaining about it. It's just a shift of where she might say, I don't know about that. And is it generally is something that you're telling about her personal story that you're going to say on stage? Or is it being protective of you overall? Our family, our kids, her, the two of us. And it's something I actually appreciate and am thankful for because I like that I've reeled it in a little bit. It's hard to know, right? So the best model of what I'm attempting to do for the last six years is Howard Stern. So one of the things I just happened to kind of notice was, oh, he never talks about his daughters. And he's even said that his daughter said, hey, don't talk about me on this radio show. So I thought, okay, that's something to think about. But of course I talk about my, my daughters, they're kids. It's all I do is deal with kids stuff. And then I'm like, well, what age am I going to stop talking about? But there's no real roadmap for us to know what that line is. Because so much of your stand-up is autobiographical. Yeah, and there's really fun shows that I'll do where Stephanie will be in the audience, in the back row, and I'll tell a new story. And then I'll say, Stephanie, is that how you <laughs> recall it happening? And in the darkness, she'll be like, not exactly. <laughs> and then I'll invite her to share what her version oh, of what happened was. Okay. And so that's been fun. And we've joked about how it would maybe even be a fun stand-up special. Yeah, she yeah, said, I she said. That. That's what a... she said. She said, yeah, it should be called She Said, She Said. Yeah. How old were you when you guys got together? Because I have a new theory. I'm about to be 36. And I feel like as I'm getting older, it is getting less and less likely that I will get married. And not because like, oh, there's not people because I'm feeling more Too and calcified more happy. In your habits. More, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm just like happy on my own, getting more and more so. So you did want to get married. Yeah, for sure. And now you're like, oh, well, maybe. I'm just aware when I'm in bed by myself that that feels nice, that yeah. I would be giving something up. Maybe. And then you could meet a Stephanie or Kristen or Dax or whatever and be like, oh, I actually, I'm not saying that you need to have a partner to be happy, but I'm saying if you find that right one, because I for sure had no interest. I was the worst gay person because I was like, why does everyone want gay marriage? Who cares about that? <laughs> you know? Was it fair to say you were a commitment phobe? Because I have some theories on why you might be. I did have a fear. I thought that I wouldn't be able to do what I wanted to do. Can I suggest? Yeah. And this is where we get into this weird zone where people write an autobiography. They feel very safe in those moments talking about it while they're writing in a room. And then they're here in this attic with electricity hanging out of the wall and the context. Chris and Bell running around the property. Popping in and out, just fresh just off a feral facial. off the land. <laughs> yeah, red faced. A lot of our childhood is kind of similar. So three years old when my parents got divorced, stepdad, multiple for me in the mix. 
being completely on your own, right? The notion that your mother had no clue you were failing out of junior high. Being a very responsible grown-up child. I think for me, when I left that, I was like, okay, no more being saddled to anybody. As much love as I have for everybody. I think there was this notion that I'm already permanently locked to some characters, and I think I want to not accumulate any more. Yeah, I could see the fear of people getting in my way in the way that people in my upbringing got in my way. Right. But I think if you grew up in a house where your parents were assets and they were bringing you to soccer thing and then your dad was working with you in the front yard to learn this stuff and then you were doing all that together and you were receiving, I think you'd be more open to that commitment. Like, well, this one worked out great. Yeah. And look, as many rough spots or atypical parenting that happened, my mother putting us to bed and going out to party and have no idea where she is. I'm still very thankful for who I am, but I don't think that anything was telling me I should find a partner (laughs) and recreate this. It wasn't being modeled. No. And so when I met Stephanie, I was so confused because it came out of nowhere. You guys were working together on In a World? Yeah, on Lake Bell's movie. And we both had very small roles and we were love interests. And Stephanie was straight? She was. But what's really interesting is that she said she would go out with guys and then they'd want to see her again. And they'd be like, can I see you tomorrow? And she'd be like, why would I need to see you tomorrow? (laughs) Right. Just saw you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like I just ate pizza. Why are we going to order it again tomorrow? Why would I possibly need to see you again anytime soon? Mm -hmm. And so she always thought that was kind of weird about herself. But yeah, after being with her, it just came out of me. In fact, we were having dinner one time and I thought I never felt really terribly vulnerable previously. That's specific. So you're recognizing in that moment this person has the power to kind of crush me emotionally. Yeah, mm. And I was Which fascinated. Is a new... I've been crushed. I've had conflict, but I've never felt like, oh boy. You let this one in too deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm screwed either way, whatever happens here. And so I thought, well, I'm going to take this moment and allow myself to be really vulnerable. And I at dinner, yeah, two months in, I said, I have something really crazy to tell you. And she said, What? And I said, I feel like I want to be married (laughs) to you. And I was ready for whatever she said. That was you the truth and you to had to say. get it off your chest. And people have told me very vulnerable things. I just felt like I was always just keeping my cool. And I was ready to just go for it. Like in the like cold the man. Punch. Yeah, that wise man <laughs> yeah. you ran into. And so she didn't miss a beat. And she just said, yeah, that's how I feel. Wow. Wait, in the dock. Tig. I know there's a couple. I watched Tig. Yes. Just T-I-G. I'm familiar. (laughs) In that one, the story is a little bit, hey, this is not going to work for me. I'm romantically in love with you, Stephanie, Mm -hmm. and you're straight, and I need to probably pull the plug because I'm going to get destroyed. That was before. We had met on In a World. I got really ill. Cancer, intestinal disease, pneumonia. My mother tripped and died. Broke up with my girlfriend. All of this in four months. I was not in a great place. And I collapsed and went off to the hospital and just life slid away. After I came back from all of that and was recovering emotionally, physically, I reappear after we do the movie, 
And there's Stephanie, and the movie's going to Sundance, and we exchanged numbers because we had so much fun working together. I wasn't like, oh, I'm interested in this person, and she certainly wasn't thinking I'm interested in Tig. I don't know about certainly, but yes, I'm agreeing with the chronology (laughs) of your story. Yeah. We exchanged numbers to go to Sundance. Well, and then this is my favorite part. Because I think we've all, a lot of us have experienced this. You just start texting. Yeah. And then you just can't stop texting. And it's the most amusing, wonderful thing to just be texting with somebody. And I told her that. And I didn't think she was interested in me. I just explained, I'm not a big texter. I do not like texting. I said, I went out with a girl for coffee. And she texted me right after saying, it was so nice meeting you. And she knew I had a show that night. And she texted me at showtime and said, I hope you have a great show. And then at bedtime, she texts Sweet Dreams. Oof. Oh, boy. And I was like, oh, my God. Yes, it's yeah, really that's scary. A lot. That's so a lot. I give Stephanie my number. And she goes, oh, well, I hate texting, too. So don't worry about it. And then that <laughs> night, I go to bed. And she texts me. Sweet Dreams. Sweet Dreams. <laughs> so good. And I was like, this girl is so funny. Yeah. I already knew it. But. Yeah, we couldn't Mm. stop. She texted me. I was writing my book and she said, hey, I'm with some friends. If you want to come meet up with us, we're at La Poubelle. And I was like, oh, my God. I started to think I had a crush on her at this point. And I thought, well, I can't go meet her. I've been just lying around my house writing my book. I haven't showered. (laughs) And then I was like, oh, She's not into me, so it doesn't matter what I look like. Clean girl, dirty girl, whatever. Who cares? Straight girl, dirty girl. (laughs) So I go down to La Poubelle, and I show up, and I have this big Canadian sweater on with a big eagle on the back. And (laughs) I walk in. She's got a big blue sweater with an eagle on the back. No. What? Yeah. The cable knit sweaters. Yeah. And I'm like, this is insane. <laughs> Are you writing a book? <laughs> Are you at home writing a book all day? Are like you me? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I said, we should switch sweaters. And her friend was standing there and he goes, yeah, switch sweaters. I'll take a picture. And we put our arms around each other. We start making out no. as soon as we touch Wait, each other. What? Right in what? front of the entire bar. And so we have our first kiss captured because oh her God. friend wow. took a picture. Wow. And was it a quote bit you were doing? Right. Or no. no, it was an no. explosion of as passion. As soon as it was, we touched each other. Because like, we had just been texting for yes. months. I love these. This is like people across the country that meet each other yeah. online and they yeah. have a whole thing and then they get together yeah. and they're nervous of whether they're going to like each other and then this an explosion. Oh my gosh, it was oh, insane. Best kiss of your life? Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and then... That's when she wrote me and she said, hey, it was so fun kissing and I like you so much. I'm not gay. She wrote me like a 10 page email going on and on about how much she loved hanging out with me, how much fun, how fun it was to kiss. And then I just wrote her back and said, "Okay, Dyke. And and she said when she got the "Okay, Dyke email, she was like, I like this person. (laughs) Now we have a production company and two kids and three cats. That's all what, like 11 years ago? Yeah, we've hit 10 years. We're going into 11 and 1% cannot stand. Stand each other. Sure, sure, yeah. sure, sure. Mm. I like more focusing on the fun texting part. Me too, but I like hearing that because that's the reality. And if you go into anything thinking it's 100%, mm-hmm. and if the 1% happens, it's like, oh, maybe we don't like each other. No, that's just probably normal. You know, the thing I was thinking of during the story is how sad I feel for single people who do want a partner 
being the right pressure on that throttle. Three texts after one coffee, terrified. One text, making fun of that, we're golden. Yeah. Now give yeah. me more. I just feel like so much of romance is just knowing how hard to be on the gas for people. It's not the same for everyone either. Yeah. And I knew I was taking a massive risk writing OK Dyke to her uh-huh. and not saying anything else. But it works. <laughs> yeah, no, I think... That's definitely the best response. But yeah. the three text girl was probably a fan. No. No, are you no. sure? Um, I couldn't be more positive. Really? And that was part of the problem. She had no sense of humor. Oh. And I think we maybe went out twice. We had coffee and then maybe we went out for dinner across from where I was doing stand-up. And I said, I'm going to just pop in here. I'm going to do a set and then I'll pop back over. Oh. And she wasn't even slightly interested what was going on. Uh-huh. Okay, can we talk about Mississippi for a minute? Yeah. Mississippi, Houston, Christian. What's the Past Christian. Very rough name for me. It's the Cajun pronunciation of Christian. Yeah, just to name a town Christian for me is scary. Oh, for sure. I'm just so used to it. But if I, if I told you I was from Jesus, Michigan. Yeah. Ooh, it was probably a lot of pressure there. One of my sons, uh, we were at a friend's house. We were in Ohio and they're very Catholic. And there's a picture of Jesus. And Max was like, is that Jesus? <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I just turned to my friend's mother. I was like, baby steps. You know, like, but people call my town the pass. And then the actual pronunciation is Pass Christian. And it's just short of an hour east of New Orleans. It's definitely got the vibe of New Orleans people because a lot of New Orleans folk have weekend homes there or people have retired there. I think there's like 4,000 or so locals that live there. There's certainly religious people, conservative people, but also the hopping vibe of fun. Yeah, there's a colorful French yeah. vibrant vibe. Yeah. Drinking, we'll add, that's pretty elevated there yeah people are thirsty yes, in people, that area. it so is hot, hot and people are thirsty it is humid. there's a coffee shop in the town that is one of the best cups of coffee you can get that side of the mississippi okay and they also have a bookstore that's in the coffee shop that is unbelievable and it is owned and operated by an interracial gay couple okay. oh wow so the line is out the door Cat Island bookstore and coffee shop. It's phenomenal. I think the part I was most curious of selfishly is that mom grew up pretty wealthy. Mom grew up with house staff and nannies. And the grandfather had been a mayor of New Orleans. My great-great-grandfather. Right. So my father's past, and I talk with complete reckless disregard about him. I also mentioned nonstop I love the daylights out of him. I might be unique in that, but there's... A few things when you describe your mom that I would say, well, you definitely stop short of ever calling her an addict. But it does seem clear to me from the stories that she was probably an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. How much of her life story was impacted by having grown up one way and then not landed in that same spot? Well, I mean, she initially did not have that with my father because he was a partier. He moved town to town. I always make the joke, you know, when you're at some weird place and you turn to a friend and go... 
oh, I didn't know your dad worked here. Oh, uh-huh. you know, yeah, yeah. and I always <laughs> joke like, yeah, he does, and he needs to take our order. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All those typical things of like, he has a mustache, he drives a van, he's got a gun in his boot. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. A like very stereotypical. Yeah. yeah, that was no joke. My father yeah. and my mother was fancy, and that didn't work out between my parents. And then my mother remarried to my stepfather. I had a Rick. Yeah. It's a great stepdad yeah. name. That's what stepdads were named. Yeah. <laughs> Standard. Yeah. But he brought a lot of structure. He was an attorney. So it's not like my mother grew up and then went without or anything. Because right. my stepfather was successful and he was very regimented. Controlling. Yeah. Maybe even within that, that she, I don't know enough about the situation, but maybe mm-hmm. had to marry someone that could take care of her. Even that is maybe in the mix of having grown up one way. My understanding was that my grandmother, who was very controlling, was like, okay, Susie, you had your go at it. Yes, with this man, Pat. Is that your dad's name, Pat? Pasquale Notaro. Perfect. And she said, I'm going to introduce you to a man in New Orleans. The grandmother set this... Set them up. Oh, really? Through her friend. marry him. (laughs) Yeah. When people would meet... My mother and Rick, it was so confusing because my mother was so wild and she was a drinker, no doubt. But then she would go through periods of time where she would quit. How long would those last? It would be months or years. Would she ever like join a program or anything? No. Like, no, oh my God, just no. she would willpower it. Yeah. And so it was a real roller coaster. She was wild from putting us to bed and then going out at night. She'd climb trees with us. We'd kick the balls on the roof. She'd climb up on the roof with us. She'd serve people martinis with the screws from her toes, surgery in the olives. She was a provocateur a little bit. I remember a friend of mine when I was in sixth grade, and I wrote about this in the book, it was time to take my friend home. And my mother said, do y'all want to get on the hood of the car to go home? And we were like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so we were holding on to the hood and she's driving us, and there was this guy that pulled up in a muscle car, and my mother was like, oh, this is going to be hilarious. And she pulls up on the wrong side of the road so she could be next to him, face yeah. to face. And she was like, you want to drag? <gasps> she wasn't really going to drag, oh. but she just wanted to like- Get the reaction yeah. of the guy in the yeah. One of the quote unquote famous moments from my childhood was when my principal said, what if your mother knew what you were doing? And I said, what if you knew what my mother was doing? <laughs> and that was really how I grew up thinking like, You can't really touch me because my mother is... Going for broke out there in the streets. Oh, I'm tardy. (laughs) Uh Or, oh, I was talking in class. I don't even know what to say to you. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by ZipRecruiter. Are there some fantastic concerts coming to your city this summer? Mine too. In fact, Anderson Pack's playing at the Hollywood Bowl. I can't wait for Ooh, it. Ooh, that's exciting. If you want to be sure to see your favorite artist, you need to jump on it right away. I've already DM'd him saying, yes, I got to be in that front row. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. It's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. So what's the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. 
Got your eye on a rock star candidate? ZipRecruiter's invite to apply feature lets you cut the line. Once you review ZipRecruiter's list of the most qualified candidates for your job, you can easily invite your top choices to apply to encourage them to apply sooner. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. We are supported by BetterHelp. Listen, I understand that sometimes you want to keep things to yourself, process your emotions in your own time. But if you keep everything bottled up, it can have some serious consequences. I have therapy on Saturday. I'm really looking forward to it. I had therapy this morning. Yeah, you did. Yeah, and it put me in the greatest mood. We had a long, big day, and I just felt much better for having you were some... not to out you. You were a little grumpy going in. I was. I was. I was to be <laughs> Rob specific. and I received some texts. Yeah, I was morning. locked out of my therapy setting, <laughs> which is this attic. <laughs> <sighs> But then you felt much better after. I felt much better. And I even made some apologies. Um, Talking things out can be so helpful. And if you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend therapy. Check out BetterHelp if you've been thinking of trying therapy. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for any reason for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DAX today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DAX. We are supported by Taco Bell. Oh, man. We often do two recordings a day and we have this little nice lunch break that we enjoy and we're always craving something really yummy. Yes, something fresh, something high quality, something like the all new cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell, which is Mm. exactly that. Mm. It's so yummy. It has slow roasted chicken, the pico, that purple cabbage and an avocado verde salsa sauce. Oh, delicious. Outrageous. The new Cantina Chicken Tacos, Burrito, and Quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina Chicken menu at Taco Bell now. So you detail just what a rough time you were having in school. Yeah. Was it stressing you out? Were you emotionally thinking, I'm fucked for life? So you flunked eighth grade twice. That's not the grade to flunk twice because the difference between a 14-year-old and a 17-year-old and a 16-year-old is an enormous difference. Like, well, that's and not all the... my friends went off to high school. Right. Yeah. So I was so humiliated that I was still in eighth grade after everybody went on. And I failed again, but they moved me up to ninth and then I dropped out. And so I have technically a seventh grade education. But were you beating yourself up at all? I'm curious what the internal experience was. Were you like, I got to buckle down and learn this? Or you're like, I'm just never going to do it and I don't care. I was never going to do it. I remember I was in school suspension for whatever tardies or talking. I was never doing anything terrible. When I think about what's going on today... It was PG. Yeah, uh, PG 13. Maybe PG 17. But (laughs) I was sneaking the car out. I was smoking. So I was in in school suspension and I was in there for whatever thing I had done talking, tardy. And you get your first day assigned and then they deliver your classwork. 
And then if you don't finish your classwork, then you get another day added. I didn't see a way out because mm. I was looking at these papers and books piling up and I was thinking, I don't know who they think is going to be doing this. <laughs> right. And it's certainly not going to be me because I don't do that when I'm not an in-school suspension. Right. Right. That's how you got an in-school suspension in the first place. Right. I'm in ninth grade and I'm like 47. So I'm like, this isn't... You parked your work truck out right. front because you have an actual yeah. job. I got kids in the car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I remember thinking, I'm just going to head out. The person in charge of in-school suspension was one of the gym coaches. And so I got up from my desk and I was walking towards the door. And I remember the big coach and he stood up, he goes, whoa, 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 where do you think you're going? And I said, I'm heading home. I was like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, what do you mean? To me. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm done. I'm going home. And then he had to let me go because I quit. And as you were walking away from the school, did you feel an explosion of freedom or did yes. you have any fear? No, I truly felt similarly to when I realized, oh, I am a stand-up comedian. This feels right. Or, oh, I'm gay. Because I found myself always just plotting and planning, where can I go just get a job and get a studio apartment? Get going with my real just, life. Yeah. Did you have a goal for what that, quote, real life was going to be or look like? Or you were like, no, I just want to start. I pictured myself alone. It was like a cartoon. I pictured myself on a bicycle. Oh. And a basket with a child in it. Okay. Yeah. So I pictured me and one child. And in my head, this little child's name was Timmy. Oh, and, wow. And I was so pedestrian for and, your yeah. unique yeah. everything. And that was the cartoon version that I would relay to people. I was like, me and little Timmy, we're going to go out into the world. And I wanted a child that was comfortable anywhere, which is kind of what my mother made me and my brother. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, I wanted a kid you could go to a party and just let the kid check in with him in a few hours and just put him to bed on everyone's coats mm. on, on the bed in the <laughs> yeah. other room. I didn't see a kid holding me back in any way. I'm going to bring him everywhere. We're just going to go <laughs> hang out and live this life together, me yeah. and little Timmy. And I was very into music, and I wanted to either work in the music business or play music. So as you get interested in music and you go to Colorado, I'm curious, what is your musical genre? I'm all point? over the place. So eclectic. I am just as happy listening to the Indigo Girls, to Ray Charles, to Van Halen, to Willie Nelson, Gladys Knight. You love it all. Oh my gosh. I was also very into like Edie Brickell. I was just about to say Edie Brickell. Yeah, Shooting yeah. rubber bands. What an album. Oh but also, God. did you ever get the follow-up, Ghost of a Dog? Yes, just made my girls listen to it in the pool like two weeks ago. I'm like, You're we're listening to this whole man. album. You're a good man. <laughs> Thank you. Did you stumble upon Grenadine or any of these other, they were more female punk bands, but there were so many good ones around the same era. No, but okay. I would love to hear. Maybe when I come cold plunge, you can play yes. that part. Well, well, first we'll go through Edie Brickell's entire discography. <laughs> yeah. Edie Brickell wrote the theme song for my podcast. Get out of here. You have a personal friendship with her? I got to tell you, when I played this album for the girls and then you start going, well, who is she? Well, and then I go, I think she married Paul Simon, right? 94, I stopped getting new information about her and I have a huge question mark of what happened. Yeah, she, she married, married Paul, Paul Simon. Simon. Did they stay married? They are still married. Oh my God, wonderful. Seemingly, she stopped making albums and I thought, oh no, this marrying Paul thing she didn't backfired. Stop. She didn't. She put out solo material, but also she joined forces with Steve Martin. In fact, 
I was nominated for Grammy one year. I didn't know her then, but they won Best Americana Album, I believe. Him on the banjo. Yeah. And so I presented Edie Burkell and Steve Martin. I got to oh announce their win. And I'm standing there and childhood Tig, my comedy and music oh. loves are walking towards my face. And I'm like handing them a Grammy. Oh my God. That's so simulation. It was so incredible. But for my podcast, they said, hey, we have some cash for you to hire someone to do music. And I said, this is probably going to be way under her fee. Yeah, this is going to be like shooting rubber bands at the stars. Exactly. So a big, yeah. <laughs> so I said I would love for Edie Brickell if I could get her to write a song. <laughs> wow, good for you for just asking. Yeah, that's and, incredible. And I've, I've only met her that brief moment, handing her the Grammy, but she didn't know who I was at the time, and we didn't hang out or anything. I was just like, oh, congrats! And it was through reps and people yeah. reaching out. And she just and, said, yes. and she was like, yeah. And then I was on a call with her, and then oh, um, she said, I'm going to get on your nerves because I'm going to send you a lot of options. And I said. Mm. Oh my! You don't God. know who you're talking to. <laughs> yeah, send them all. I have the Texas Monthly magazine. You were on the cover of. <laughs> <laughs> so send them away oh for the rest God. of my life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've maintained a friendship through email. I only had one. Oh, I've had two. One of the experiences was, was love Sinead O'Connor so much. Yeah. Just obsessed, obsessed, obsessed. And then the second movie I made, there was a moment where I had one of her songs at the end of the movie and we were in the phase of getting permission and they said well she would like to watch the whole movie if she's going to agree to license her song to it so we sent her the whole movie and then i got forwarded the email that was like i love this movie so much i'd love to have my song in it oh my god i just got chills yeah me too that's awesome especially yeah. Did you watch her doc? I didn't. It's a beautiful documentary. When did it come out? This year. The moment, in fact, for me that would make me cry every time is you know her story. She lived outside. Her mother wouldn't let her live in her house. She's had to sleep in the garden. I mean, just very abused child growing up at the apex of the Irish Catholic everything. When she gets on stage and lets it fucking rip. Yeah. To be that subjugated and oppressed and still at some point go, fuck you, I'm letting it rip. Yeah. I'm beautiful. I don't know what it is about that. Yeah. It's always these female singers, docs, when they let it rip no matter what. I find to be the most moving thing in the world. I can't wait to watch that. I haven't cried that hard in my whole life, I don't think. Anywho, yeah, I had that moment where I was like, wow, this person, Sinead O'Connor, she was some angel for me, has seen that I'm on planet Earth as well with her and actually <laughs> consumed something I made and yeah. then liked it. Wow, what a moment. Yeah. Edie told me she and Paul watched the TIG doc on Netflix. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. I don't know if she's seen anything much more of mine, but I also don't need that from her. <laughs> she's <laughs> you know? giving you enough. Yeah. The one I was going to bring up was we were at school and everyone was like, Prince is dead. Do you remember this? That happened down in Texas? When Prince died? He hadn't died. But when I was in third grade at the height of Prince and Purple Rain and the no. Prince everything, there was a rumor that circulated that <laughs> Prince that. was dead. And for like two days, because there's no internet or anything, everyone mourned Prince being dead. I can't believe you don't remember well, that. No, that didn't I, make its way down to... No, I don't know where I was. But, it could have um, just been your school. There's no, no it's, way to... <laughs> I bet we could look this up. It was one of these Mandela effect things. Really? Where it's like everyone thought, yes, it was believed. 
believe that oh, he was dead for that a minute. Is what, no, I thought you were telling me that. I was like, <laughs> I wasn't a child. I know where I was when I heard Prince died. <laughs> right. I was That's in quite... Palm Springs with my wife. <laughs> Children, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fully grown. <laughs> yeah. But living through Purple Rain is a whole experience that's hard to not share with somebody, isn't it? Yeah, Stephanie is not a Purple Rain person. And the, the song, she's just like, I don't get it. Yes. I can see now, like if I can pull myself out of its power, I can realize everything's a little pervy from that whole stretch. I can see if you didn't grow up with it, it'd be different than it is to me. I don't know how it is humanly possible to not be obsessed with the song Purple Rain. <laughs> when Stephanie looked at me and said, I don't get it. You got a question. <laughs> I don't know what. You're like, I don't get yeah. you. Yeah, it reminds me of, you know, whatever that noise is that you play and some people hear something and then other people hear that other thing. Oh, I don't know Wait, that, but I want to take to this test. I don't know. It's like the blue dress, gold dress Yeah, it's thing. kind of like okay. that. It's the same thing with hearing things. Mm. And I feel like maybe she's got a blue dress and I got a gold dress. I don't know, but... What are you talking about? I like when yeah. some people eat cilantro and taste soap. Oh, that's, that's a genetic too. mutation. Maybe Ooh, there's something in, about yeah. purple rain. I think she's eating soap she when a, she hears that. She has a genetic mutation. Yeah, there, it's because sure. she's wrong. It's not up for debate. Yeah. It's a masterpiece. Are you seeing Taylor Swift while she's at SoFi? I would love to, but I'm only in town for oh, yeah. a few days. That's right. Where are you going? Well, I was on a family vacation right. and then I came in town to do Stand Up to Cancer, the Katie Couric event that she yeah. does. Pro-cancer rally? Yeah, pro-cancer. <laughs> Is the family still in Montauk? They're actually in Colorado. Oh my goodness. Yeah, but we're full-blown on the most family vacation summer we've ever had. Ooh. Have you been to Montauk? No, I haven't. I've only heard of it being the chill, laid-back surf part of Long Island. It's perfect. I mean, it suits our family just fine. We were like, we will be back every summer. These East Coast folks know a thing or two about how to spend summertime. How to summer. I think, yes. <laughs> yeah. you, Do you know the comedian Laura Keitlinger? Uh -uh. She was one of my favorites when I was coming up, even before I started stand up and in her book, which is so great. She makes a joke of somebody asking, where does she summer? <laughs> and she was like, outside. <laughs> you know. outside. <laughs> yeah. Are they fun family vacations for you or are they work? Well, you have two seven-year-olds? Yeah, I have two seven-year-olds. I mean, it can't help but be both of those things, not vacation-y and vacation-y. I have to to say though we've had a really great time a lot of hanging out on the beach one of our kids he'll just stand out in the water and as the waves crash in he just yells fun this is fun <laughs> i mean just loving it yeah. you know and you can't get him in from the waves he's just there so pure yeah and they're still at that age where no shame to ask their two moms to come hold hands with them in the waves and <laughs> this is their idea to yell family while we jump oh, in I like the waves. This. That is so, we're so cute. <laughs> oh so my we're God. holding hands and we're just jumping. And yelling family. <laughs> because our two If sons. you're on the beach watching this, you're like, oh, they almost got divorced this year. They're like on the mend. Look yeah, at this. they're trying to fix a very deep family, wound. Family, family. <laughs> my friends that I had mentioned we had visited in Ohio they had a family vacation every year. There's five kids, two parents. I think 
the grandmother lived with them, and they didn't have a lot of money. And they would pile everyone into the station wagon. They'd drive over the Ohio-Kentucky border. And it just said, welcome to Kentucky. And then there was a motel there called the Drawbridge Motel. Perfect. And they would get a room and they would all cram in there just to go swimming in the pool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they'd yeah, spend yeah. like a weekend or a week Staring there. Staring at Cincinnati, probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so my kids are definitely getting more than the Drawbridge Motel. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't help to explain to them what the alternative is. It just oh, doesn't register for them. Nothing helps. When we were in Ohio, I had told them in front of our friends, I said, if you do not agree on something, then we will not go to the Cincinnati Reds game. And my son, Finn, they call me Mare, which is French for mother. And he said, Mare, you always say that you're going <laughs> to not let us do something, but you never do. Right. And I was like, oh, <laughs> called out. So yeah, embarrassing. Right? Oh. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. Well, now you've painted well, me into a corner. Exactly. And, I'm gonna and now I'm going to have to. Yes, and now yes. you're in big trouble. Yes. For being honest and observant. In front of... <laughs> All of our family friends <laughs> pointing out that I actually don't do anything to uh, <laughs> discipline. I don't None follow through yeah. at all. No follow through. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that was a tactical blunder on his end. Yeah. Reminds me one time my mother was spanking my brother and I because we had been fighting endlessly. And while she was spanking me, I started laughing. And she's a single mother over her head. I think she felt so powerless. Mm-hmm. These two boys, they're now laughing when she spanks. <laughs> she sent us to her room. Oh We're God. in our bunk beds. The door flies open, like almost off the hinges. And she's holding this rubber slat, this little rubber track you'd run on your Hot Wheels. Oh. And she's just whirling dervishes. <laughs> Swinging it wildly, hitting us like crazy because we broke her. And she's like, they're not even afraid of me. And it doesn't even hurt when I hit them. You're now getting the Hot Wheel track. And did you now laugh at her swinging it? We were screaming. We thought she was going to murder us. We thought we were dying. (laughs) Oh, my God. We broke. Like, you get that sense that we pushed too far and she's now broke. Yeah. She's also 27. I don't know. She's young. When I think back, I think of her as my age. But she wasn't. She was a kid raising these three kids. Smacked the shit out of us with this. Oh, my God. We bring that up to her once a month. That's the only time anything like that ever happened, where she lost her cool and, and like swatted the shit out of us. She's like, what did you want me to do? I'm like, I get it. But yes, we rake her over the coals about the time she beat us with Hot Wheel track. And then can you imagine, <laughs> and this is no judgment about your mother, but can you imagine doing that now? <laughs> of course not. Right. I haven't even spanked my kids. But A, it's not 83. Your culture tells you exactly what to do and you do it. I mean, if you lost it and just started oh my God. <laughs> being... <laughs> Your kids. Indiscriminately. I need to add, it was the indiscriminateness of the experience that was so clear she had lost it. And then was it a whole other world of horror when you went back to your Hot Wheel track and there was a piece missing? (laughs) There was no PTSD associated with it. But she left the room. We were like, oh, fuck. What was more scary than getting hit with the Hot Wheel track was... We may have broken mom. Yeah. Like we went too far. Oh, she's our human. I think that's the first time we were like, oh, she's a human who might lose her control because of us. Right. Yeah. So we did some course correcting after that. But ultimately, it was probably productive for her. Yeah. I didn't know that still was happening into the 80s. I thought it was strictly like it ended in 1979. No, not only did it not end, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I think you would have, as a parent in 83, felt irresponsible for not 
smacking your kids occasionally. Mm -hmm. I really believe that. I think you would have been like, I'm fucking just too soft on them and I'm ruining these children and all my neighbors are beating the shit out of their kids. What am I, just a regular Tig Notaro over here? (laughs) No follow through? (laughs) Writing a bunch of checks my ass can't cash? No, it's newer than you think. I got spanked and my brother got spanked and he was born in 96. I think a lot of kids are still getting spanked. Still? No, yeah. there was a whole show about it. Remember that whole show, The Smack or something? No. Oh, boy, I didn't watch that. A David whole... E. Kelly one? Yeah, like yeah, it was on like ABC smack. or something about a kid who gets spanked in front of all these other parents at a swimming pool, and there's like a whole show about it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't even imagine pitching that <laughs> with confidence. I it's know. a show where a kid gets spanked. <laughs> yeah. It'll go for seasons. That's the inciting yeah. incident. It takes them years to unravel yeah. right. what happened. Breaks up are the whole talk. Talk about it on a podcast. Yeah. Everything. Look, I'm of two opinions. One is I didn't feel it necessary to ever hit my kids. I'm also not standing here on a fucking moral high ground telling other parents. I don't have an opinion. on. Uh-huh. I don't know what happens. I think culture is a lot of it. If all your friends are getting spankings and you're getting a spanking, I don't think it's that big of a deal. If you're getting spankings and no one that you know is, you'll start feeling like, oh my God, my parents don't love me. But also then you go, where is the beginning and the end of a spanking? What does a spanking look like? Yeah. Because then somebody could say, I just spank the kid and then it's like yeah but the kid is injured yes yeah also my grandma who adored us and took great care of us she'd say go get the yardstick she'd paddle us with a yardstick not like go get the hot wheel flap (laughs) no that was proprietary (laughs) that was that was a novel approach to discipline (laughs) okay I want to fast forward a second through, you go to Colorado, you come out to LA, music-related mission, you end up doing stand-up, you fall in love with stand-up, you realize, no, this is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. You have a very respectable stand-up career, you just mentioned it, I think a lot of people will be aware of it, but some people won't, but in order, you have an impossible year. An impossible four months. Four months, yes. And I won't deny you the order. What I'm saying is, I know you've talked about that part a lot. I Mm want to say what was most interesting to me about your documentary is on the backside of it. That, to me, is very fascinating. But we'll get there. I just want you to know where my own interest lies in it. Okay. I'll tell you the boring stuff you're not interested in. No, I am. I just want you to know. (laughs) No. When I was working on In a World, I didn't know I had three potentially deadly illnesses simultaneously. I had pneumonia. Actually, that was the last time I ever talked to my mother. I was lying in bed. I thought I had a cold. And she was telling me the typical thing a mother tells you to drink orange juice and rest. You were close, you and your mother. Yeah. We had a very up and down roller coaster relationship. But yeah, in fact, she was planning on coming out to visit me. But I was in bed sick, thought I had a cold, and went to urgent care. They gave me antibiotics because they said I had actually pneumonia. And I was like, God, it's so intense to have pneumonia. Yeah. And then I was in so much pain, I can't even explain. I didn't know I had developed this disease called C. diff, which is a bacterial infection in the digestive tract. Everybody has C. diff in their gut, and it's fine if everything is all in there, all of the different bacteria working together. Yeah, some bacteria keep the C. diff in check. Yeah. And the C. diff's keeping other things in right. check. And you can contract C. diff from other people. It's highly contagious. Or you can get it from antibiotics. Antibiotics can just clear out your system. And then C. diff, if that's left to remain, it just grows and just eats your insides. It has no competitors anymore because you've cleared out the, quote, good bacteria. Yeah, and it just 
destroys you. And I didn't know I had that. And so, yeah, I had pneumonia, C. diff, and then I got out of the hospital and my mother had tripped, hit her head, and had to take her off life support. And then my girlfriend and I split up. And then I was diagnosed with invasive breast cancer. All within four months. Mm -hmm. Mom falls in front of Rick. Rick and her suss out that she's fine. Mm -hmm. She stays up to watch TV. He goes to bed. He comes out in the morning. She's bleeding out of her nose and yeah. elsewhere. Yeah. She was never conscious again. Oh, my God. I mean, that is such a crazy story. And what's even crazier? 10 years to the day, March 28th, 2022, I took Rick off life support. <gasps> no. He died of no. C. diff. No. No. Yeah. Oh, my, oh God. my God. March 28th. Four days after your birthday? Uh, Happy birthday. Yeah. I mean, every year I'm like <laughs> always headed towards my birthday, having this PTSD of like, oh, this is when I was diagnosed. This is when I collapsed. This is when I went to the oh doctor. My. And then in 2022, last year, I was starting to go through my PTSD. And then I get a call. Nobody's heard from Rick. The police went, kicked his door in. They found him. And what I'd imagine when you have C. diff that bad, A, you don't want to eat, but B, you become very malnourished because none of your food can absorb into your intestines because it's all completely proliferated with this bacteria. Yeah, yeah. you so cannot you're eat. you're starving to death yeah. even if you're eating. I was obviously one of the lucky ones that made it through all of those things, but it was insane for me. He didn't know what C. diff was when I had it. And just to have that recollection of explaining it to him and going through it, while my mother's funeral was going on and everything that was happening. And then he died of it 10 years later. My mother died technically on March 29th, but I took them both off of life support on March 28th. Wow. And my mother lived for hours and went into the 29th that yeah. she actually died. But yeah, March 28th is weird date for me. Yeah. yeah. I think... This is worth shouting out Ira Glass. He pretty immediately was encouraging you to talk about all this stuff you were going through in that moment. Had you had the surgery yet for your cancer? No. You haven't even begun treatment yet, and he's urging you to talk about it. And that obviously is a hurdle for you. I didn't know why he was telling me to talk about it on stage, because I was a very different person and a very different comedian before all this happened. I wasn't really sharing personal things. In fact, when I was really sick, I kept it to myself at first. Ira had known that I was sick with C. diff. But when I was diagnosed with cancer, he was like, you have to talk about this on stage. It was almost borderline offensive to me because I was thinking that just sounds like no. Exploitative to yourself? Yeah. And to and my mother, maybe? just all of it. I just didn't understand why he would say that. And then I had this show booked at Largo. I had this ongoing monthly show there here in Los Angeles. And I had called the owner Flanagan and just said, I'm really in a bad place. I'm going to cancel. And he also was like, let's just keep it on the books in case you want to do the show. And I was like, what is wrong with these people? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, do you hear me? I can't eat food. I'm yeah. in pain. I have invasive cancer. I just buried my mother. I just want to go lie down and what disappear. What would I have to say to yeah. you for you to say, take all, the night off? All of the nightmare <laughs> yeah, yeah. situations yeah. that you're like, I hope I never get cancer. I don't want my mother to die. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be alone. Also, I'm typing this to you because my larynx were removed. Great. <laughs> Still, yeah. you'll do the show on the yeah. 30th? Let's just then? see. 
see. We'll, well check you still back have in. fingers, right? Yeah, right. You're you typing. Can do a whiteboard. <laughs> so he said, "Yeah, you can cancel even if it's a step before you walk on stage. You decide you don't want to do it." And I was like, "Okay." And then as it got closer, I just thought, "Well, I think I'm going to do a show." And that becomes a really enormous chapter of your life. You record this set. There's no video available because that was against Largo rules, but there is an audio recording. The people that witnessed the show found it insanely profound and moving. This experience for people gets talked about. It gets kind of viral. Mm. And then you ultimately release an album that I don't know if it was a bit when you were on a talk show that it's really called Live. It's called Live just to have to correct people every time. <laughs> yes, because of course you want to say... Live. Yeah, live. Yeah. Well, yeah, most live albums are called Live. <laughs> live. But this is Live. L-I-V-E. <laughs> it's a big album. And then you got nominated for a Grammy for it. Became the number one selling comedy album in the world. I remember my record label calling me and saying, you sold more albums than Kiss. It was on the pop charts. You know, I was a big Kiss fan as a kid. And if somebody was like, I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen, but you're going to sell <laughs> yeah, more records day. than Kiss. Yeah, I'm not going to tell yeah. you how yeah. you get here because you might not choose this path. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert if you dare. We are supported by Men's Warehouse. When you wear a tailored Men's Warehouse outfit, it makes you feel confident, like you can do anything. Whether it's a snappy suit that makes you want to dance at a wedding like no one is watching, or a smart casual outfit that gives you the confidence to nail a job interview. Yep, you should give Men's Warehouse a shot, and here's why. Men's Warehouse is the only nationwide men's clothing store that has a tailor in every store to fit your suit, shirt, jeans, etc. to your bod. Men's Warehouse features clothes from the best brands in the fashion world like Vera Wang, Kenneth Cole, and Calvin Klein. Men's Warehouse isn't just suits, they have jeans, t-shirts, shoes, hats, and even underwear. The tailoring is game-changing. It really makes a huge difference in people's outfits if it's tailored to your body. You could have a billion dollar suit and if it doesn't fit it looks terrible yeah agreed yeah it's key men's warehouse is everywhere with 600 plus locations nationwide so if you need one and you will there's one near you feel like you can do anything in an outfit from men's warehouse visit your men's warehouse store or click or tap to shop online So you have this incredible experience by being honest about this thing. But then you're like, now where do we go from here? And it was very paralyzing. And that I have great sympathy for. I could see that nine times out of ten kind of ending someone. I thought it might. I remember saying to my manager at the time, when is this attention going to end? And this was days into it. And he was like, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I don't know. Like, when is everybody going to go back to their lives and not be interested in this? And he was like, I don't know if that's going to happen. I couldn't believe that weeks and months and years went by and people were still interested in it. And I have a better understanding of it now because, of course, people connect to that and people understand you're a human being and you've fallen and yeah. you're acknowledging it and you're talking about it and you're showing everybody yeah me too when i was going through all of that and people were using the word brave it was so confusing because i didn't feel brave i was just staying alive and continued to breathe 
but the reality was I was very sad and I was alone crying. I was so confused by that word. Well, even the way we talk about it, they're going to fight cancer. Yeah. And there's some implied, oh, that person didn't fight hard enough? Is exactly. That the, the implication. It, yeah. <laughs> like my dad was a quitter, I guess. Yeah. You know, my stepdad was a quitter. I don't know. All the language around it was a little uncomfortable for me because especially when you are part of that world and community, you see people dying and they fought as hard as the next person. Yeah. Yeah. They might have fought harder than you. Yeah. Yeah. And they were not brave. Right. It was very confusing because my career had always chugged along just fine. I was not ever somebody complaining. That you weren't Sarah or something. Uh, Sarah Silverman. Yeah. No, I never even thought I could be uh-huh. Sarah Silverman, <laughs> and nor could I be Sarah Silverman yeah, or anybody else. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know if it's the underachiever in me. You were delighted that you were making a living in this thing that's impossible to do. I failed three grades and dropped out of high school. I am telling Telling jokes, traveling the world. I have made it. I didn't have a complaint. And so having all that attention on me was very uncomfortable. And there was a lot of talk about, oh, Tiggs finally found her voice. Uh. And she's a dark truth teller. And that confused me because I love silliness. And I tell people I am 100% no nonsense, but I am 100% only nonsense. But I love living as close as I can to the truest, most authentic version of life and myself. But I didn't know that that was necessarily going to be me, that I'm going to be going on stage and getting into it every time. Yes, you know? yes. It's a it, lot of pressure. Is there a thought of like, all my tragedies are over. What's going to be the next special? I 1 million percent, especially if you go back to that documentary, <laughs> it's so embarrassing because I was a grown person who thought that, well, I went through everything and now life is just smooth sailing. I mean, what else could I possibly go through? And then when I was approached to do this Netflix documentary, I thought, well, yeah, this is a victory lap. You can, you know, yeah, see yeah. my highlights of the good life now. And then I had no idea that <laughs> life doesn't work that way. You still get curveballs and rough moments. I thought I got everything out of the way. It'd be great if it worked that way. Yeah. It would be incredible. <laughs> yeah, it would. You'd be like, well, finally. It's kind of like when you pay into Social Security. At some point, yeah. you cap out. Like, <laughs> yeah. you want that moment where you capped out on trauma in your life? I remember with my cancer diagnosis, no part of me thought I had cancer. And when they were like, oh, we found something. And I was like, what's going on here? And then I remember the doctor comes in and she says, how are you feeling? And I immediately was like, this feels... Like a leading question. Yeah. I said, okay. I can't remember exactly what she said, but I remember saying to her, are you saying that I have cancer? And she said, well, I can't say for sure, but what I am looking at does indicate quite possibly that you do. And I wanted to say, my mother just died. My girlfriend and I just broke up. I'm still struggling with seed. I can't have cancer. Right. It's comical. Yeah. 
And that broke me in that way where I was like, okay, this is so dumb. It's very lazy writing. They're like, we, we need to bring this series to a close. <laughs> I know. And everyone had an idea and we just kept all of the ideas. <laughs> yeah, we've jumped the shark a little bit on this. We've jumped so many Guys, sharks. you don't think the audience is going to be out after she's at the funeral? Uh -huh. Then we do cancer. I think we need to do cancer before the funeral. <laughs> I did a special a couple of years ago where I tell a story about when Jenny Slate was moving from New York to L.A., she is not one of my closest friends in the world. She's just an old pal from stand-up. And she reaches out. She's like, hey, I'm moving to L.A. And I said, oh, cool. I'm sick right now, but when I feel better, she said, would you like to get tea? And I said, yeah, I'm sure I'll be fine in a few days, so let's have tea. She reaches out again. And she's like, hey, are you feeling better? And I said, oh, actually, I'm in the hospital. I have this intestinal disease. Super sexy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she was getting married at the time. And she said, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. And she said, I'm actually going back to Massachusetts. I'm getting married. And when I come back, we'll Let's have, have tea. tea. Yeah. So we kick it down the road. And then she reaches out. Oh, my God. She's gosh. married. She's like, how's it going? And I was like, oh, my God. You now God. sound like an addict, by the way. Or like, like Munchausen or yeah. something. And it's like we had someone that we had hired for something. And it was like their mom died three times. <laughs> you know, their sister was incarcerated yeah. twice. It's just yeah. very addicty. Like they've forgotten how many times they've for told sure. you. Yes, yeah. It's starting probably to sound like, oh, she's got a fucking I, heroin I felt, addiction. <laughs> I felt insane because yeah. she's like, hey, I'm back in town. Hope you're feeling better. Do you want to get tea? And I was like, Jenny, my mother died. <laughs> oh. And she was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> this is all over text. This yeah. is just somebody trying to move to LA and have a friend. Grab a quick tea. Yeah, to yeah. be like, hey. She doesn't need you to help her move furniture or no, anything. It's just a tea. Just a tea. Yeah, oh my God. Tea. And then I'm like, I just took my mother off life support. We're doing funeral stuff. She's like, Tig, I'm so sorry. I was like, thank you so much. She reaches out again. I'm like, Jenny, I'm doing a lot better. My girlfriend and I did just break up, but we'll get the tea. Nothing sounds better than a good tea. <laughs> she reaches out again. My phone, Jenny Slate. I started to feel bad for her. Of course. Of course. I'm surprised her text wasn't, what do you have cancer yeah. now, Tig? Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Preemptively. Well, yeah, and yeah. I'm like, I'm sorry. I have cancer. I can't yeah. have tea. But what was so fun was when Jenny finally came over after I had surgery and she brought tea for us to have. Oh, wonderful. And a friend of mine had gotten one of those big balloon bouquets, you know, that uh -huh. takes up like the whole room. <laughs> sure. I couldn't even really walk across the room. I was so weak because I was also still dealing with C. diff and <sighs> all of it was still going on. I lived in downtown LA. I had a loft at the time. I said, I've just been lying here on my couch fantasizing about putting a note on this balloon bouquet, pushing it out of my window and just being like, hey, this is Tig. I'm coming through cancer. And she was like, Tig, we got to do that. And I was like, okay. So she opens the window and I'm like, <laughs> you oh. know, walking over there. And we're like oh, trying to push these balloons. It's like the end of Thelma and Louise or something. <laughs> and we're like, <laughs> you know, trying to get all these balloons out of this window. And they go out and it was going to be this big symbolic, yeah. yay, I've come through it all. And then the balloons get caught on the fire escape. Oh, on the guy's God. apartment right above me who I have to see in the elevator oh, my and God. it just looks like I wrote him a note <laughs> saying hey I've been down here struggling but I'm sending <laughs> but my cancer out better. <laughs> so my balloons oh. were just uh, oh, God. there 
That's almost identical to a story I heard about someone's birthday party and they had all these doves and they also had all these tiki Is this torches. Prince? No, no. <laughs> could have been though when doves cry. <laughs> so they released these doves and a bunch of them flew through the tiki torches oh, and it turned. It went from this very beautiful <sighs> birthday celebration to a bunch of doves on fire. No, like the oh worst, my god, worst thing that could ever happen. Oh. And then it's a big birthday party, and now everyone's got to just deal with the fact <laughs> that they just saw this and think how bad of luck that person thought they were going to have for the rest of the year. That is rough. <laughs> Your balloons remind me of that a little bit. <laughs> also, I'm a vegan person. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I'm yeah. not thrilled about birds being charred anywhere. Yeah, or celebratory. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I brought you down. I thought maybe the cancer and everything else right, was a safe right, right. place to tell you about these dead doves, but no. No. But I guess in the doc, I see that you ultimately do get back on stage and it works mm -hmm. out perfectly for you. But how do you get yourself to just go like, okay, yeah, I did that thing. I'm associated with that. I don't have cancer anymore. I'm not going to do more material about having it. But here I come. How do you steal yourself for the return? I did have a lot of stress and pressure around what am I going to talk about and worrying about what the audience was going to expect of me. And then I started to reflect on the beginning of my stand-up career and all of the years leading up to that moment that I did that show. My style has changed in so many different ways, just as you do as a performer or artist. Well, you're telling your truth, but you're a changing vessel. Right. I started out doing one-liners. Even though I'm very dry, I was so deadpan dry one-liners, and then it would kind of grow to, I'd tell a story. And then I would do bits with the stool on stage. So I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of like prop humor. Could have a Vegas stage show now. Yeah. <laughs> and I really thought about how, just like I told a 20-minute story about running into Taylor Dane or pushing a stool around on stage, I can always change and do things. And I don't have to be this one person or performer forever and nor would I want to be and I've never been. I have to imagine you feel some kind of pressure because once you become symbolic to a struggle and you know how emotionally connected people are to that you feel like you have some pressure to keep telling their story. Well I mean lucky for them my medical issues didn't end in 2012. Oh, thank God. For and, all of us really yeah. we're all yeah. grateful. So I shared many stories of being in a diaper to having internal bleeding, I've certainly gone to, to that, that well, well again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that well continues to run uh, over. Yeah. yeah. So there's that. I remember being backstage at a show. I was in Iowa City. I've always loved Iowa, but Iowa City is very special to me because I was out on the road again. It was one of the biggest venues at the time that I had done. I think I was doing two shows in this theater in Iowa City. And it was kind of the beginning of me getting back on the road and seeing how my following had grown. I was full of nerves beforehand because I really wanted to give the audience what they wanted. That's the exact statement for me right there. Something shifts, right? Like I can't imagine you were proceeding through comedy prior to that with that thought? No, because I was at the time still a comedian that was headlining clubs. And most often when you're headlining clubs, you have fans, but you also have people that are like, oh, let's go to the comedy club. Mm -hmm. Right. Whereas when you're headlining theaters, your name is on the marquee. They came to see you. And that can fuck you up. For sure. 
But I also made a decision backstage in Iowa City before I walked out on stage. I thought, I got to let go of this feeling of pressure. And I have to hope that whoever's out there in the audience that has any sort of expectations about what I'm going to say or do, that they will be open to and embrace whatever I choose to do tonight. Because I hope that they're a fan of mine and not just a fan of hearing comedy about cancer. Yeah. yeah. I walked out on stage and I just did whatever I wanted, talked about whatever I wanted, and it was not cancer related. And the cancer files were okay with it. That's right. The love and excitement and acceptance in that room that night, I'm like, Iowa City, man, you're not going to shake me ever. I love going back there. And it was just a pivotal moment for me because that's when I realized in order to make the audience happy, I have to be happy. And so I try not to get concerned with that. What they expect or want. No, because if a performer is enjoying themselves. Well, that's the journey of self-love, right? Which mm -hmm. is I'm enough, period. I'll be enough if I'm talking about a grocery store experience. I'll be enough if I talk about my cancer experience. That's hopefully maybe the journey of life, which is like, no, no, I'm fine and worthy of all things. I agree. And I've been asked many times about being a female comedian or being the gay comedian or the cancer comedian. <laughs> the gay cancer comedian. Yeah. <laughs> People ask all the time, like, are you worried about being pigeonholed? And honestly... I don't care if people call me the lesbian comedian or the cancer comedian. It has nothing to do with me. That's your choice. You can call me the worst comedian. That also <laughs> does not have anything to do with me. And so I just don't worry myself about that. But in moments of insecurity, it would be easy for me to convince myself that it was the story that made people love that set. It was the circumstances. But in fact, we would know and the healthiest version of yourself would recognize, no, no, it was that experience going through my point of view. It's my point of view that's the quintessential ingredient, not the story, not the event. It's actually the way I synthesize everything that's so appealing to other people. Fans from before 2012 would say, pisses me off that this is what it took you to have cancer for people to like you or people to know you. And I was like, I don't know if I am clueless or stupid, but in my mind, I don't even think of it as that. I think yeah. of it like... I was doing what I always did, which is stand-up. And I, of course, was talking about cancer, but that's how I see it. That's the truth. Because there's a lot of people that had the same series of events that would try to process it on stage, and people wouldn't have been talking about it. The events are almost inert. They're mm -hmm. things that could happen to anyone, and, and some do. people are great telling yeah. that story, and some people are not. I had a very crazy experience in Edinburgh when I was doing stand-up at the festival several years ago. This woman came up to me and she said, hey, David Sedaris is performing in town. He wasn't able to go to your show. He wanted me to come and invite you to meet him at this place for dinner. And I was like, oh, okay. And it seemed a little odd. I had met David through This American Life. He's not like a close friend or anything. Yeah. So I do my show and I didn't commit to it. I was just like, okay, thank you. And then I thought, well, I'll get a taxi and go to this place. And if it seems legit. <laughs> okay. So I take a taxi over there and I pull up and David Sedaris is standing outside. 
And I'm like, this is insane. And we go into this nice restaurant. We have truly like a four or five hour dinner. But he had just lost his sister and he was really struggling with how to talk about it mm. on stage. Mm -hmm. And he was picking my brain about that oh, wow. because he was like, I can't make it funny. Actually, now that I'm talking about this, I wonder if he He's, wouldn't appreciate. I don't know. He's our most frequent guest. And I've developed this friendship with him. I feel confident that he would like this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can it's also vulnerable. ask. It's I mean, he's honest about everything. Well, that's the thing. I stopped and wonder because it was a very intimate. It was also just like a nice, fun dinner. But he was really wanting to talk about his sister and find some levity there. And I found myself in this place of I don't even know what to tell somebody. Right. Just because I did it doesn't mean I understand how I did it. Yeah. I didn't even know what to tell him. Yeah. And I was also a little stunned to even be trying to give David Sedaris <laughs> any <laughs> comedic advice. Anything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Even just being at a dinner with him, I was like, I'm not worthy to be here. Of course. <laughs> Much less give you any sort of advice. I and can tell flattering. you where the bathroom was. I went before you, but that's <laughs> right. about it. You're going <laughs> right. to go past the kitchen and it's yeah. on the left. What were you going to say, Monty? No, I was just saying how flattering. Oh, it was so flattering. Yeah. I've had that with a few other people where they've asked, how do I get into this? What do I do? And man, was I not sure how to do what I even did. Yeah. Right. I relate to that a lot. I'm sure. I don't know how I do anything I do that people might want to replicate. I'm not sure. And I'm afraid if I figured it out, I would not be able to do it anymore. I'd say more than half of your life only makes sense 10 years later. And it only makes sense because we're storytellers and we figure out how to make it make sense. But it doesn't make any fucking sense. I remember one of the things that my therapist said that I just love so much. He had said that you can never tear out a chapter in your book of life, that you should share it all. Because if even one chapter is missing, then the whole book makes no sense. Mm. And I was like, yeah, that's great. I love that. Yeah, thank you. I love thank that. Thank you so much. It's true. It's yeah. just that constant moving toward honesty and authenticity and reality. Once in a while, you have those moments where all these seemingly disconnected pursuits all come together. Yeah. Oh, wow. I was into drumming and I was into stand up and I love short stories. You know, whatever I know the, the fact scenario. that you were nominated for a Grammy when you were super into music, but you were nominated for a <laughs> comedy, comedy album. Like, how crazy. Yeah. You grew up, I'm sure, thinking about the Grammys. Yeah. Yeah. And then you do end up there, but for something sort of completely different. To give Edie Burkell her Grammy. That's right. <laughs> yes. That's right. So That's that why I was there. Later, she could write the theme song to your podcast. <laughs> it all just falls into place it does. naturally. Okay, well, I'm referencing a lot your book, I'm Just a Person, and it's wonderful, and I hope people read it. Also, I love the doc, but I think, Monica, you would love it, because she went through the whole fertility process and had yes, eggs, and then yes, they didn't yes. take to the host, and oh my God, it's fucking yeah. heartbreaking. Monica just did a show about freezing her eggs. That's great. I did have a weird question to ask you. How weird? This requires you to maybe try to articulate your appeal, which is a very dicey question position to put someone in but i'll start first i think that i have appealed the boys in this very weird way i've come to figure out which is i ride motorcycles i have muscles i have been in lots of fist fights and i love emotions and talking about addiction and failing and crying and 
being molested and all these things that boys aren't really supposed to talk about. And so I think for boys, they're like, there's a way that I can share all this emotional stuff. And I was thinking about you on my hike today, listening to your book. And I was thinking, I know so many women who are really, really, really drawn to you. They love your comedy, but there's another layer to it. And as I was thinking about it, I'm going to suggest because your comedic tone has always been very dry and very kind of monotone-esque, it's not been performative or people pleasy at all. And I can imagine for a woman to see another woman not jumping through all the hoops to comfort everybody at all times and please them, that you might be inspirational in that same way. Have you A, ever thought about that? Is that a weird point to make? I don't think about it. You come across as someone who's not people pleasery just because of the tone of your comedy. It's so funny. I don't feel like I am, except with my kids and my wife. And it is new for me because uh -huh. they've only been in my life for 10 years. I love seeing myself bend over backwards and do whatever anything takes to keep that thing yeah. from exploding yeah or yeah. just like everyone to be happy and get what they want i mean obviously i don't nail it all the time and i'm not always bending over backwards all the time but i know that it comes up where other comedians will say when i go on stage i'm just desperate and they're like you don't feel at all desperate any comedian with a very slow tempo seems extra brave because mm -hmm. you're living in a lot of quietness before the joke comes and so i think a lot of comedians admire other comedians ellen i would always watch her and i just go my god her confidence to let it brew to the breaking point is admirable i'm too much of an approval junkie yeah. to ever live in it that long so i think there's that other comedians admiring the confidence it takes to have the tempo you have and a few other comedians have had I do think there's another layer which is gender-based. I'm a fan and I agree. I do think there's a sense of confidence and you don't need approval. And I don't know if you need approval or not, but it, it comes off as if you don't. And yeah, we're all walking around like the way to be a successful woman is to gain everyone's approval, which is fucked up, but that's what we're ingrained to believe. And then to see someone who's successful, funny, great, and doesn't necessarily, and also specifically male approval, it's like, yes, I want that. I want to be that. I mean, I can't act like I don't enjoy approval. I know. I mean, I you're mean, a person. Yeah. I love having good shows, and I like when people tell me I did a good job with stuff. But I also go back to my mother. She raised me, like, if anyone has a problem with you, tell them to go to hell. Yeah. And it's hard when you hear that your whole life to shake it. I remember she was at the gym. My mother was very beautiful and not that you have to be beautiful for someone to flirt with you. Never hurt. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't yeah, yeah. hurt. But this guy came up, she said he was flirting with me and then he made some derogatory homophobic comment like thinking that was going to make me laugh and mm. she said, "Uh uh uh uh, talking to the wrong person. My daughter's gay." Uh, you know, yeah, uh -huh. <laughs> like just stopped it right there. Uh -huh. Wrong person, yeah, buddy. Turn around. Yeah, go right to hell. Uh -huh. <laughs> and so it's kind of like what you're saying when you're dating the sweet spot with the gas 
how far people should go to hell and when to tell them to go to hell. And, <laughs> yeah. And does everyone need to go to hell? Right. I am a patient person and I don't fly off the handle easily. And I try and give people the benefit of the doubt, you know, if they're not calling back or something's delayed or they're yeah. late. You're that. compassionate. Yeah. I try and think, okay. Hopefully they're not in a car accident. Hopefully something didn't happen. Their mom didn't just die. Right. And it might be because I went through that yes. stuff where I'm like, a lot of things can happen in a second. And so I do have that in me. But then when it does get to a point, they can go straight to hell. <laughs> sure. And I probably carry that on stage with me. I carry it everywhere. Not that I'm right or that I'm good at what I'm doing or that I'm the best or any of that. So I have a good dose of go to hell as well. And I delineate between who deserves go to hell and not is like, if you disagree with me, fine. If you maybe disapprove of me, if you attempt to shame me for who I am, that's very clear and simple for me. You can go to hell. I don't have time for that. And I think that's probably similar for me. But yeah, when somebody can go to hell, they can really go to hell. <laughs> they can burn <laughs> up down stop. there. Don't stop. Don't even pick up snacks. Just yeah. go straight there. Go straight to hell. <laughs> uh, okay. <clears throat> okay. Uh. You have a new podcast. That comes out August 22nd. Handsome. Great theme song. Well, this is an Edie Brickell. No. That was oh. for Professor. No. No. No, that's long gone. Is it annoying that you've been in the podcast game for so long and then everyone finally joined? You can be honest. No, I don't okay. care. Okay, yeah. great. Some people are annoyed. I understand. Yeah. yeah. It's like a child being born. There's a podcast born every minute. <laughs> There's so many similar Bands. There's so many similar documentaries. There's books. similar books. There's space. And people have personalities that they bring to it that make it different. But yeah, I was an early podcaster. You've been at it for like 13 years, maybe, or more? Yeah. I still have a show called Don't Ask Tig. And that's what Edie Brickell wrote the theme song for. And then I am on a hiatus from my other podcast that is actually about documentaries. So Handsome, which is brand new, hasn't started yet. It's you and Fortune Feimster. Now, is she the Fortune I met when doing the Chelsea Lately show? Yes. She was a writer on there and a performer. A performer. Yes. She's so funny. Yes, incredible. Stand-up, sketch, improv. Yeah, she's a machine. Yeah. And Mae Martin. Mae Martin is a stand-up from Toronto who lived in England and is now in Los Angeles. And my wife does improv with May on a regular basis. Anyway, the three of us... Talk about who's handsome, I hope. Well, nobody more <laughs> handsome than the three of us. But it yeah. is funny when I'm reading older literature, how often they would refer to women as being handsome. It doesn't sound super flattering nowadays. Well, it depends on what kind of woman you are. <laughs> it does. Yeah. But I think if we just did like a guess of what percentage of the country, women would love being told they're handsome. I think it's a low percentage. There's handsome men. There's handsome women. There's a handsome suit. A beautiful Aww. woman can have on a very handsome yeah. suit. Yeah. The word feels a little flexible and fluid in the way human beings are, whether you like the word or not. I love it. I'm so excited to be part of a handsome podcast. <laughs> okay, so that starts August 22nd, but also you are going on tour. Well, I've been going on tour for decades. It won't stop. <laughs> the tour continues. And I'm shooting my next stand-up special 
in Brooklyn, November 4th, King's Theater. So you'll be shooting a new stand-up special there. That's right. Okay. And tickets and tour info is at tignotaro.com, T-I-G-N-O-T-A-R-O.com. Tig, this was delightful, as was probably palpable at the beginning. My wife is in love with you. Your wife is a joy and was so fun to work with, even though our project disintegrated. Well, let's be honest. It went the way that 99% of projects go. Yes. There still might be life for it. Nope. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Dead. But know. it was very fun to work with her. All you can do is have fun while you're making the shit or trying to make the shit, because who knows what happens after that. Could you pronounce your birth name for me? Mathiel. And then your brother's got a great name, too. He's Renault? Reno. R-E-N-A-U-D. Mm-hmm. Reno. And hit me with your name again? Tig. <laughs> well, uh, the, the, birth, the birth one. Mathiel. But it's spelled M-A-T-H-I-L-D-E. Yeah. O'Callaghan. 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 There's a G in there. What a fucking name. I know. O'Callaghan. Nataro. And then we were just like, let's just name our kids Max and Finn. There you go. Easy. I want you to go back to this full birth name and release a product worthy of it. I don't know if it's a really high-end salt, like from the Caspian Sea or something, but this is a great full name for a really high-end. Mateel O'Callaghan Notaro? Yes. The O'Callaghan's a big left turn. You're like, I'm not going to sell any of my salt. (laughs) None of my salt. (laughs) Okay. Tig, what a pleasure. I hope we see you again soon. Good luck with everything. I really appreciate it. Again, Handsome, it premieres on the 22nd. So go follow our socials as well as sign up or whatever. Follow the show. Subscribe. Subscribe. I thought I was in the podcasting business forever. <laughs> no, you're not showing that. Now. Yeah, no, I know. No. Um, you seem like you're dipping one toe I, into the I'm water. Sorry. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. And then we will start talking into your ears on the 22nd. Handsome podcast. Yeah. All right. Stay tuned for the fact check so you can hear all the facts that were wrong. Who's this purple truck out there? <laughs> you jacked up purple truck. Uh, I wish that would be so drive. great. Yeah. Wobby Wobby started driving a big jacked up 4x4. Four four. So great. So off brand. It makes messies. The, um, there was a Wobby Wobby sighting yesterday. Happy birthday to... I started too high. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Most people don't take a breath in the middle of it. To Monica. Happy birthday to you. Still too high. That's an Easter egg for an upcoming episode. Oh, it is. I got confused that it was from a previous one. No, upcoming. It's kind of ruined birth... Like... I had to sing happy birthday last night to a friend and I couldn't You were super help. conscious of the yeah. tempo. That's an Easter egg, so stay tuned. Stay tuned. Also, should I unveil the world's grossest song that I invented some 20 years ago? Yes. Okay. Trigger warning. Also, don't be eating when I sing this. It's so embarrassing. It's so embarrassing to make you puke. Right. Somehow on the ride home from Seattle one time in the car, I made this song up yeah. uh, with Brie. And this is an alternative birthday song. So it goes... Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to he and she. Happy birthday to the world. Yeah. Oh, God. I almost myself throw up. But, okay. This is funny. Of all the things that almost make you throw up, I'm surprised it's that. Uh, it doesn't yeah, bother me that much. It doesn't. No. I mean, it's I think it's so funny. It's so self-indulgent. It's uh, happy birthday... 
to me. But I'm not Happy singing birthday to it. He and she. I know, but it'd be <laughs> gross if I sang it on my own birthday. No. But you're singing it, you know? <laughs> Right? It's just really weird. It, presumably it's someone's birthday, but you're saying happy birthday to you. Yeah. Happy birthday to me. Happy right. birthday to he and she. Wait, why is it about he and she and me? And <laughs> now see. happy birthday to the world. Oh, it's kind of like taking away from the person. Absolutely. It was a throwaway at the top. Like oh. happy birthday. Now it's about happy birthday. And that's when it really gets jazzy when it's about me. Okay. He and she. Yeah, it just... <laughs> it's terrible. I thought you invented that on your own birthday. Uh, about yourself. Yeah. That would be very normal for us to be driving home from Seattle on my birthday because at the end of a Christmas break. So that's certainly why Happy Birthday was on the mind. Okay. And why we, how this song got created. Okay. I think There's a lot of great songs came out of those trips home. Another mm. fan, you want to hear one more famous one? Sure. We were driving with our friend and her daughter and her daughter farted. And I said, you got to squeeze your cheeks. And then I came up with this song. You ready? Don't look at me. Or I'll just close, I'll cover my okay. eyes. Squeeze your cheeks, squeeze your cheeks, the American way. Wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> squeeze your cheeks, yep, squeeze I, your yeah. cheeks, the American way. Yeah, we heard it. Um, yeah, that to me is worse. That's the one that makes you want to throw that up. That one's worse. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, no, that one I like. Like, that one I would stand on the stage and say. Oh. Yeah. Oh, God. Squeeze your cheeks, squeeze your cheeks. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> Happy birthday. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Big day. Thir three times three. I mean, three, three times two. Ooh, three times three. <gasps> then I'd be 90. That's my 39th. <gasps> yes. Three squared. We're a little, we're th three years away from that. Well, you refer to yourself as three squared when you're 39. I should. I got to tell you something. Okay. Uh, started watching a doc. Okay. I, this untold series. Mm, it's great. God, are they good. And I don't think, to my knowledge, have they ever done a multiple episode one, mm. but they just dropped one. Okay. And it's about the Florida Gators. Oh, uh-oh. Um, like, oh, six, oh, seven. Look at Stern. Look, I'm an angry little mouse on my birthday. They're my nemesis. Sick them. They're an enemy, just like Roll Tide. Yes. <laughs> well, it's a great, incredible docuseries, and- it has gotten me very excited for college football for the first time in my life. I've only watched, I don't know, four or five college football games. Most of them, your Atlanta, uh, Georgia. your Georgia dogs, yep. Sikkim, and Roll Tide. And no! I, and so now. If you say, Aunt Dax, I'm telling Monica, you now. Tell me now. If you start. Rooting mm. for the Gators, like we really are going to have a problem. I'm not going to root for the Gators, okay, but it's what an incredible journey they took. And is this, this is like Tim Tebow time. Yes, which I didn't even yeah. know. Here's what I knew about Tim Tebow. I knew that there was a few, there was a, a spell during, I don't know how many seasons ago, five, yeah. six seasons ago in the NFL where everyone was obsessed with this Tim Tebow guy. I'm like, who is he? Oh, he prays after every play. That of course for me was a little... He's very you know, religious, yeah. Yeah, it's just like praying after every, and maybe that was an exaggeration, but whatever. I was like, you know what? Go to church, do your thing. I'm not holding AA meetings in the middle of my, whatever. Well, it's yeah, the, it's I'm his, it's his prerogative. He can That's pray. true. If you can protest stuff, which I do support. Yeah, he so can I, do it. I it was his like touchdown dance was praying. 
Oh, it was something like that. That yeah. feels no, like it's out of The I, Simpsons. You're making that. Now, you guys, everyone's now Hold getting on. way off. I don't think it was right? every play. You don't have time for that. You've got like. A, I think he he is very. It's oh a yeah, thing. he's super religious. Yeah. Uh, let me. I'm gonna redeem myself. If you're a Christian and you've just, just turned it off and screamed at me, hold on a second. So I was a little judgmental. Come back. Come back. <laughs> Come back. Um, I was a little judgmental. <sighs> it's okay to admit that you're changed your mind. Yes, 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 yes. I don't. Oh, now I'm gonna go on a tangent. You know, I watched a lot of boxing growing up. And then when they would win, they would say, God, let them win. And I thought, well, but then you're saying God made the other person lose. I, do, I don't like it. In, well, anyways, yeah. okay, forget that. That's all I knew about Tim Tebow. Okay. Now I watch this doc. Okay. I love Tim Tebow. No, listen, that's not. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. He's not playing for the Gators anymore. I don't like him at all. I okay, now you don't even actually. like Well, maybe I no, don't. I, I, oh, we you don't, never have. No. You don't because, see eye to eye. Not because, <laughs> not because he prays after every play, but he's a jackass. Oh, my gosh. Careful. Oh I God. said it. Well, hold on. We played him. It wasn't like we crossed over. Yes. I'm, when I was there. Well, they rolled right over the okay. dog. Well, well, I'm just saying they went just, under. I'm sorry. Forget wow. that. That's not the point. It's my birthday. Okay. <laughs> Happy birthday. Wow. <laughs> so, okay. He was entirely homeschooled. I know. Like never, ever went to a school. He worked on this farm. He's enormous, right? He's mm-hmm. a big farm boy. Think of going from never being at a school to showing up at the University of Florida in the swamp yeah. with, I don't know how many students they have, 10,000. It's enormous. It's a big school, yeah. Big school, and they're More all so excited he's there because he's like the top recruit out of high school that year. Yeah. So he goes from no classmates ever to 10,000 that are obsessed with them. What a bizarre, like that's just worth, like talk about a light switch. Yeah. He immediately befriends the absolute last person you would think he would befriend on the team, this guy Styler. Okay. I think that's his name. Harry Styles. Harry Styles. Um, Brendan Styles. He was the um, defensive, all you know, huge star, kind of leader of the team. And he, this dude's hardcore. Okay. He's not praying after everything. He's banging beers back at night. And Tebow's like, I want to hang out with you because mm-hmm. you're the fiercest person on this team. And those two start working out in a manner that no one was ready for. And they become bros because they're so hellbent on being good. Okay. And you can, cannot help but like this guy. He works so hard, impossibly hard. Mm-hmm. It just made me really excited for college football for the first time. Well, ever. I'm excited for you, for me, that you like it. Yeah. We'll watch some games together this okay. season. Yeah. Maybe you'll get so into it and maybe we'll go back to the national championship. Oh. Probably. Knock on Although they get rid of that 36-year-old. Uh, oh, I'll knock on one. Yeah, Thanks. happy birthday. Um, that 36-year-old quarterback, he's got to be gone now, though, isn't he? He's not 36. Uh, what is he? 32? No, he's still in his Is it his 36 birthday? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's great. Um, he's gone, though, right? I think. I don't know. Oh. I have a lot to ask my friend Robbie. Yeah, he's kind of your... He's my go-to. I have to ask him about who the quarterback is. I have to ask why exactly we hate Tim Yeah, you got to get some details on Yeah, yeah that makes sense. There's, some there, clarification. There are reasons other than the fact that they beat us. Yeah. He's just very sure. Florida. Mm-hmm. We hate Florida. I, I, mean, I love yeah. Disney World, but I hate the Gators, okay? Okay, um, I'm, that's fair. I'm on record saying that. Yeah, yeah, Sorry yeah. to all our armchair Gators. I love you guys. Yes. But I hate the Gators. Okay. Everyone loves their team. I'm it's kind of great. I don't really have any feelings towards the Bruins. So I guess I'm like the worst of the worst. UCLA, well, you have positive feelings about having gone there. Fucking love the school. Yeah. I just don't have that like 
But that's I, I don't like, I guess if I see they're in the final four or whatever, I'll be happy, I guess. Right. But I don't, I'm not, but not like you with the dog, sick them. Sick them. You know? <laughs> but the thing is, UCLA isn't, it, it, even though they have good sports, yeah, it's not a school that rallies around the sports. There's no tailgating, really, like in a parking lots, maybe. Well, it's no, not the same. I will same. tell you the best thing about the Bruin games yeah. is they're in Pasadena at the Rose Bowl. Oh. And you park on the golf course. I know, but then it's a great place to but hang. But then you have to drive from the campus to the to Pasadena. It's like oh, none yeah, of this is not conducive good yeah. for a for college students. You're, you're right. You need to be able to stumble home blindly drunk. Yes, yes, yes and stop by Chippers Bourbon to Street get a on the way. Mm. Oh, they have a Bourbon Street in. Yeah, it's called it's called Bourbon Street. It was a bar. Oh, oh, that, oh, that was the name <laughs> of the bar. Yeah, it was the bar. Back then, I don't know if they, it's still there, where freshmen could get in, where like you could use a sort of dumb Shady looking ID, ID okay. and still get in. <laughs> and that is where my first main drink was Amaretto Sour. Wow. Yeah. Right. Uh, we drank so many Amaretto Sours at oh, Bourbon Street. That, that sounds it's a little disgusting. too sweet. Yeah. It's now like drinking licorice or something. I can't even imagine having an Amaretto Sour now. Okay. But yeah, I guess what I'm saying is UCLA is more known for its academics over its sports, even though, again, they have good sports, but it, it's not, the school doesn't rally. Yeah, but I just want to, we would have to fact check. I think UCLA does have more championships than most I, other schools. I said they have good sports, Okay, but it's, it the school itself is not. It's not sports garnering, first. Yeah. Yeah. Like University of Florida is Gators first. It is. You go there because you love the Gators, I think. Exactly. And yeah. they actually, I got in a fight with someone because it's actually, uh -oh. it certain degrees are really good there. Okay. They have uh -huh. yeah, good yeah, programs. Yeah. Sure. I don't sure. want to, I university. hate them still. But, yeah. And I got in a fight with someone about that because I was like, there's no way. Like, there's absolutely no way. <laughs> Everyone there's stupid. Let me guess. I'm going to guess what it was they were saying they have a great department of physio. It's not athletics, actually. No, no, um, physical therapy. Right, which I connect those also, two. Also, they invented Gatorade. They did? That's where Gatorade comes from. That's why it's called Gatorade. Oh, I didn't I can't drink yeah, that. Yeah, well. I've been drinking it. You have. Damn it. <laughs> I'm drinking well, it's it It's very sugary, so I, Well, they do have a sense. zero. They got one one. I don't I, know if it's called zero. It's but better if won. you drink Element. Anyway. But anywho, uh, yeah, agreed. So... <laughs> I got, yeah, I got, in a fight. it wasn't PT, I don't think, although maybe they have a good PT program, but they, Georgia has a great PT program, I know, because I have two PT friends, that three, three PT friends that came three. out of there, and they're the best of the best. So, I don't remember what it was, but I remember I got in a fight, because yeah. I was like, there's no way, everyone there is a dum-dum. <laughs> no, 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 but no. it's not true. I know, I know. All this is very timely, though, because doesn't, the season must start. Really soon. Yeah, yeah. What's the first I gotta Georgia ask Robbie. game? Oh, okay. I'm get Robbie on the phone. <laughs> He'd be be a great guest. Starts Saturday. <gasps> what timing? Fuck. Oh my what god. Eleven thirty a.m. Navy versus Notre Dame. Oh my Navy. god. The ends are squaring. Wait, off. but who are who's Georgia playing? I'm a bad fan. I am a bad fan. I acknowledge that. Yeah. Georgia's first game is September 2nd. Oh, okay. We against Tennessee Martin. We're going to we're going to kick their ass. Oh my god. <laughs> Wait, when when was it? I got distracted. September 2nd is Georgia's first game. 
Oh, we have some time. Yeah. We have a little breather. Yeah. Because okay. I don't think you care that much about Notre Dame versus Navy. Uh-uh. Yeah. No. I'm all about the SEC. <laughs> what, exactly. Is that what the dog's playing? The yes, SEC? Oh, okay. Uh, duh. They're playing that. I just learned about the SEC in this documentary. <laughs> the SEC is the biggest football yeah, it's conference. Yeah. It's hardcore there. Now that you're into it, maybe you'll... We should go to a game. Yeah. You would love, it's so fun. Oh, every time they're showing these games, I'm like, I got to go to one of these college games where they're bananas. Uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. This first game's in Ireland. The Na Notre Dame versus Navy. Well, well, that makes sense. Yeah, that's, that's natural. They're kicking off the season in Ireland. What yeah. conference are they? The East Atlantic. <laughs> the Ireland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Northern, the North Sea Atlantic. Oh my God. Anyway. Anywho. Okay, I wanted to bring something up. Please. This is sort of a ding, 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 because okay. you mentioned boxing. Mm -hmm. Because our friend Anna started taking boxing lessons. Oh, she did? I didn't know that. Yeah, oh. she really likes it. I was with Anna recently, and she was reenacting a story mm -hmm. that had to do with somebody touching their face funny. Okay. And so she put her hand on my face, like, oh, to show it. Yes. And then, you know, we're finishing. And then, like, six minutes later... She said, that was weird when I touched your face. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? She's like, that felt weird. It felt like weird to touch your face. And she was like, people like, you don't really touch people's faces. No. It didn't feel weird to me to have her hands on my face. Yeah. But then I started thinking about it and she's right. You don't really touch people's faces very much in life. And why do you think? I, I have a strong feeling about why. Well, I guess I thought it was because it's pretty intimate. Because normally you touch someone's face maybe before you kiss them. Ooh, uh -huh. <laughs> like that would be, sure. that's the only reason. Okay, Or that's, unless you're picking something off someone's face. I can think of many friends I had that would freak if someone touched their face. I think oh. it's from high school in acne. And knowing that you shouldn't touch your face because oh. it clogs your pores and that's how you get. And then someone else's has got to, in your mind, it's even Germs. dirtier. Okay. But I think it's it's acne related because no one cares about if you touch their shoulder or their hand or their forearm. It's like, yeah. that's where they're worried about acne. Oh, that's that's very practical. I think it's pragmatic. <laughs> you faces, faces are a little oily, usually. Okay. So you as a toucher, you don't want to touch someone. Not, not particularly. Interesting. Oh. Um, I don't mind. I'll touch someone with a very greasy face. The greasier, the better. It means they're moisturized. I even had girlfriends who like kissing great, but like- Oh, they don't they want you to want touch that. your their face. They don't want to get acne. Acnes. Okay, I I understand that, but that wasn't what was happening. She was like, it, it feels was the intimacy. Yes, mm -hmm. it feels too intimate. Right. But then I got really hell bent. Then I was like, well, you should feel fine to touch it. Yeah. I got offended. Well, then and then I kept trying to touch her face. Oh, and how did she feel about she that? Hated she it. hated it. She hated it. Yeah. Okay. But okay. I did. Do well, it. that's what happened in that six minutes. She just had a moment where she thought, hmm, would I like that if Monica had done that to me? No. I guess, but she didn't herself, she felt weird. Like the the feeling oh, of the her, tactile. Yeah, her mm. hand on my, when she said it, I was like, yeah, I guess. And I was like, but it's fine. She's like, yeah. Ugh. Like she really didn't like it. And then I was like, well, okay. okay. And then she, you felt like you were gross. Yes. Yeah. And then she said, no, it's soft. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> and then she starts kissing you. No, I soft. I really like it. <laughs> yeah, I think acne is a great um, hypothesis theory. theory. Yeah. But I think also it's just very intimate. I think you're really only touching someone's face in a very romantic situation or sexual or situation. Member, yeah. 
like a baby member. Yeah, my children. Right. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, but not like my mom. Oh, I always caress my mom's face. You do? <laughs> no. Oh, no, I mean, no, no, you no. might. You're close with your mom. You well, guys are affectionate. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> not in a bad way. <laughs> you just hug a lot and sure, it's like sure. you're, not, you're her <laughs> husband. <laughs> I knew that was the subtext. That's why exactly why I was pausing you. <laughs> no, you do hug her. Yes. It's really nice. Yeah, she's my girl. And she like she hugs your sister. You guys, uh-huh. it's We're a, a snuggly family. family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I hug my sister every time I see her. So I could see face touching. Well, being... no, that you're right. It's very intimate. <laughs> I would never touch my dad's face. What if it was on fire? Well, of course. Okay. <laughs> I would save his life. <laughs> He's my dad. He hasn't called me yet. He hasn't. Mm-mm. Are you upset? I'm not upset, but I I wonder what's going on. I think he, he doesn't know the date. No, That's he what's does. Going I on. think he. Well, surely your Nermi was like. Don't she forget. called. And I'm sure she said to a show, hey, don't forget, it's Monica's birthday. She'll say it when he gets home from work, I guess. But I think he's scared to know when. When the right time to call is? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like he thinks you're at work. He doesn't want to yeah. bother you. And, he, and if I answer and well, I'm like, dad, I'm at work. Like he doesn't feel right. bad. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder why he's scared to call you. Can't imagine <laughs> <laughs> Dad, I, why are you calling me right now? You know I'm at work. I love you. I know. I do love him. I do. Love him a lot. Oh, Lordy. Yeah. Okay. Well. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, I have one thing. Jessica underscore Prescott was nice enough to solve the thing I'm always trying to say about the cafeteria I'm convinced your mother likes. And I always say loves or lovey. Lubbies. L-U-B-Y apostrophe S. Lubbies. That's the cafeteria I'm thinking that oh, your mom likes. Well, it, I'm, it's I'm not. Call her. <laughs> I'm calling her. No, right now. Yes. she can't. She's taking. She's at the she's doctor with my grandma, my grandpa. Well, we'll oh, see. It's even better if your grandma's there for. No, they're like. It's I think stressful. It's not a good time. <laughs> it's not Lubbies. I've never even heard of that. Okay, let me just. <laughs> Call her and find out. Oh my God, Dax! <laughs> Happy birthday! If they're gonna. She, he, she. <laughs> She's got to answer because she has to worry. Not, but why would I call her? My, exactly. Some, I know it's not That's fair. mean. Hi, Dax. Hi, Nermi. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Now I need you to answer Mom, something I'm for me. I'm here too. Don't yeah, worry. Monica's here I'm too, safe. and of course we're recording. But I, I am convinced. I have it in my mind that you like. Lubby's Cafeteria, L-U-B-Y apostrophe S. Did I imagine that or do you like that? I do imagine that. Yeah, I imagined I knew it. it. Yeah, because I never, I know, is that, that's been like based in Texas or something, isn't it? I've heard about it, but I, yeah, it's just a typical cafeteria. I know, Damn. but mom, you uh, love cafeterias. You speak really loud. You're yeah, I do like cafeteria food. Monica's right about that. Yeah. yeah. But which one do you but like? I, but Luby's, I've never been there or anything like that. What is your favorite of the chains of cafeterias? I mean, it used to be Morrison's. They're not even around anymore. Oh, we lost. There's so many. There's, yeah, Morrison's. There used to be Piccadilly. They're, you know, I mean. Before all these buffets came into existence, it used to be cafeterias. <laughs> yes, yes, so, yes. All right. Well, I'm so yeah. sorry I, I uh, mis- misrepresented you. <laughs> I really had it in my mind you liked Lobby's. But if I, I probably would like it. So. <laughs> I'm going to take you there. You know? That's what's going to happen. I'm, I, <laughs> okay, all right. I'm inviting you to Lubby's or Luby's or whatever <laughs> it is. So. 
sounds good to me. Okay, well, I just wanted to thank you for making Monica on this day of her birth. You're welcome. I'm yeah. happy about that, too. <laughs> I would have way less money if you didn't make her. <laughs> okay, love you, Mom. Yep. Love you. Okay, love Bye. you. Bye-bye. Oh, my God, that was wonderful. She's cute. She is. I'm taking her to Lubby's. So- We're going to eat everything <laughs> they sell. Catfish. Yes, uh, she would eat that. She would. Yeah. Oh, she gets down. Well, she's from Savannah. She, well, exactly. Yeah. So Lubby's is not in the South. It's, I think, well, I guess, or Texas. Will you, I think will she, you look up Lubby's? I do uh, think she made that Texas part up. I, yeah, why would it's, she It sounded very believable. I know. She's like me. Well, because of Lutenbach. Luten, no, they're in Texas. Oh, my God. Lubach, Texas. How they're does she know that? Only in Texas. <laughs> okay. She's well, like, I've never good. heard of that. It's that's places in Texas. Lutenbach, Texas. Yeah, Maybe she has that <laughs> in her mind. How would she know that? Do you think it's Lubies or Lubbies? Well, it, how is it spelled? L-U-B-Y-S. I apostrophe bet, S. I bet it's... Oh. Oh, my gosh. There's a train outside. You want a commercial? Yeah, let's hear it. Okay. I bet it's Lobby. Luby's is great, though, because lubricant. Yeah. It's not pre-prepared. We don't buy it somewhere else or make it somewhere else. At each Luby's cafeteria. Luby's! Luby's! She was right again. Um, well, she, wait, did she didn't say Did she, she did. say it? Oh. I laughed because I thought she was messing it up. But. For a place she didn't know. <laughs> She knew she where, knew where it was. Where, how to say it. She has been eyeing that place. <laughs> she has. She, she showed her cards on that she one. Did. Yeah, she did. She yeah, did. She's yeah, got to yeah. work on that. Lubies. Oh, man. It's just, you know, you can't get around the lube part of lubies. Well, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. You're right. You're right. Okay. Speaking of video clips. Oh. <laughs> um, I'm going to play one. Elegant segue. Thank you. Tig brings up that there's some sort of sound thing where some people hear one thing and other people oh, hear yeah. another thing. I yes. found it. Okay, I'm not going to tell you what's playing. Y- yes. Okay. You tell me what you hear. Okay. Laurel. Oh, okay. Laurel. What do you hear? Laurel. Yeah, Laurel. Like Laurel, Laurel. Canyon. I I hear Laurel. Laurel too. But I guess some people hear Yanny. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. No, yeah. no, no. So we got to spell these things cuz if you're in the car, and you heard that, you just heard Yanny, and then you said Yanny. So they're like, what's the diff? So we're hearing L. A U R E L. Yes. Like and Laurel Canyon. Like Laurel and Hardy. Yep. Like Laura LeBeau. And then- my sweet, sweet wife. <laughs> <laughs> and then some people hear Yanny, Y A N N Y. Not to be confused with Yeezys. Don't confuse it because. I re don't like Kanye because okay. I'm reinvested in Taylor. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, let me play it one more time. All right. Laurel. Laurel. I find it impossible yeah. like someone hears yam, yams in there. Yeah. I feel the same, like how, but that's like the that's blue the dress. Blue. But I, I've experienced the dress in both gold and blue. They affect the picture so that you can try to see it. No, really? no, no, no. That's not what happens. So I do. You, have you ever read the explanation? That yeah, thing? we read it on here. Oh, okay, but great. I don't remember. Well, what is not clear is whether it's indoor lighting or outdoor lighting. And so your brain fills in. Your brain knows if something's indoor, it's blue shifted. And if it's outdoor, it's yellow shifted. Because the light source is really kind of hard to understand, you can frame your brain into thinking of that being outside or inside. And that changes how you see it. But even when I tried to see it as gold, I I could not see it. it at all. 
What? Yeah. Until they, they sometimes there's pictures where they you can see it. They gold. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> yeah, now I see it. <laughs> no, they affect lighting. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, Laurel and Yanny. Oh, wow, that's fascinating. That was, I want to know someone who, okay, sound off in the comments if you, which one you hear. Okay, great. Sound off. Okay. Now, how many people live in past Christian, where she's from? Mm-hmm. She said about 4,000, 5,882 in 2021. Gosh, she got so close. And probably when she left. Well, that's true. I don't want to do that. Okay. It's, <laughs> it's, you don't want to adjust for inflation? I don't. You don't want worldwide I don't box want, office? Exactly. I don't want global okay. box office. But she did a great job estimating that. Like I always say my town was 10,000. Who knows? Really? Look up the Milford. population of Milford, Michigan. In 1980. Yeah, with inflation? Yeah. Do it more, now. Way more people move there. That's 6, for sure. 6,400. 6,400? Oh, my now. God. Oh, my God. So that means 3,000? That's small. I don't know. In Can what you do? Year? Oh, yeah. 87. You're your birth. Ding, ding, ding. Dingle fucking dingle. Do August 24th, 1987. <laughs> population, population of Milford, Michigan. Uh, it's only goes to 90. In 90, it was 5,400. So less. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. So probably an eight. Well, no, but five grand. Okay, we'll call five it five grand. Five grand. <laughs> so it's five K. Will you look up um, population Duluth, Georgia? What, wait, well, what's your guess before he looks it oh, up? Oh, yeah. Um, 25,000? No, 13,000. 31,864. Oh, you. you flipped it. You said 13 I is meant 31. 31. Yeah, that's what you I were heard. three X I off. I was dyslexic. And I was, I was one X off. Wow, it's much bigger than I anticipated. I was, close, I was closer. I was at 23,000. I've never even been there, but I, my, you it feels, but the amount of malls and shops and lubbies you have, I thought for sure zero you lubbies. were over 25. Zero lubbies and zero lubies. Oh, low lubies. <laughs> okay, the show I was talking about, I called it The Smack. It's called The Slap. You called it The Smack? I thought you called it The Slap. I think I called it The Smack. Okay, and it's The Smack. It's the slap. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm just trying to confuse everyone. The, the slap. slap. Yeah. I remember it as the slap. Okay. It was an NBC show, wasn't it? It was, I think, CBS. It was um, uh, NBC. You're right. I, I think I know that because I think I was at the upfronts when they showed the big trailer for that to get all the advertisers excited. Oh. And I remember thinking, well, that's not, is that, that's not what that can't be it is, thing. is it? Yeah. For Bless This Mess, maybe? What year no, was this? No, because this, this was 2015. No, for, 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 um, um, for Parenthood, Parent Sauce. Parent Sauce yeah. was still happening in 2015? I think so. No. I think so. Maybe. <laughs> 2015 is when it ended. Okay. And you go to Upfronts, you before. know, it's before it airs. Okay, that makes sense. I just, I knew you when you shot the finale but I knew you barely at that okay. point. Like I, I was babysitting for the day that day. Lincoln. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, interesting. I remember that. I have a great memory. You do from I, most things. I really have a great memory. I'm, uh, I'm happy with mine. Yours is As good. I'm writing about my childhood, I'm, I'm like, I'm yeah. very happy with the amount of stuff I remember. Yeah. It used to be spectacular. Like what yeah. years is, I guess, um, <laughs> self-reported. I don't know if it's, I don't know who, like we need to know who has the best memory in the whole world. Rain Man. 
Okay. The character that Rain Man was based on. There's been 260 minutes about him, and he has virtually the entire Salt Lake City library memorized. It's incredible. Wow. Okay, but there's so many types of memories. Well, there's this, there's another a great 60 minutes. Ding, ding, ding. So there was another 60 minutes segment called Super Memory. Oh, you know about this. Yeah. And the gal, the actress that was on Taxi, one of the leads of Taxi, she has it. You know, they interval all these people with super memory, but they can tell you like any date you throw at them, they'll be like, oh yeah, I was here and then the weather <gasps> was this and I was wearing this. And it, it's just like encyclopedic. Really? They noticed too, the actor who was on Taxi, I wish I could remember her name. Mary Lou Henner? Yes, Mary Lou Henner. They asked to see her closet because people with this super memory also way, way, way over-indexed for OCD. Oh, and hoarding, right? I don't know about hoarding, but her closet was the most color-coordinated, oh. like, organized thing you've ever seen. And all of the people on the Super Memory episode had that in common. Wow, okay, that's interesting because there was an episode of Revisionist History. I don't remember. Oh, yeah, he, he t knows was... her did something with her. No, right? no. he did an episode. <laughs> didn't they used to go to Lovey's? Movies? <laughs> He did an episode on memory or hoarding. I don't remember which one, but there's uh, a weird crossover there he he figured out. Oh. And it was really good, and I don't remember. So my memory, damn it. Uh-oh. <laughs> crack, first crack, 36. Shit. That's it. That's everything. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed Tig quite a bit. Me too. Me, Me Tig. Me too. You know. <sighs> what? I'm scared, but what? It's a brag, so I, I don't know how to, I'm trying to oh. reverse humble, like I'm, I'm trying to f concoct a way I can say this without sounding disgusting. Okay, try it. I can, <laughs> I'm just gonna own it. Okay. I think Haitians be, <laughs> Haitians oh, be Haitian is really still so funny. I heard it, Okay. I heard it, and, and it I got, thought, it, you know what, that's really something. That's really something. Even though it's as good as measles was. No, oh my god. Okay. <laughs> it's somewhere. So every now and then, I I'm like digging, and then I find a little nugget of gold. And I think <laughs> Haitians be Haitian is so great. If I were Haitian, I would have a shirt for sure, and maybe even a bumper sticker that said Haitians be Haitian. Okay. As a way to celebrate. Okay. Okay. I mean, I don't hate it. You don't hate shit. Uh <laughs> <laughs> now I hate it. <laughs> but I, you know, it's just, I applaud you sticking to your guns <laughs> and not um, not being swayed. Because I will say, that got zero traction in the room from Jason Derulo. No, he laughed hysterically. I'll play it back for you. Don't Can make I me do this. I'm going to go home tonight and I'm going to record it off my screen. And I'm going to text. I'm going to, no, fuck that. <laughs> I'm serious. It's seamless. No, it's seamless. I'm it's, tr trust me, it's all happening. He's reacting while I'm still talking. He loved it. Okay. Well, it's all right. I'll do the homework. <laughs> no, I'll send it to you guys. I believe you. It'll be like, I what was another I hate thing? when you do this. So <sighs> I believe you. I okay, believe you. Okay. I really believe you. It's like that I art school. I don't believe you that you believe <laughs> it's me. It's like the art school. We believe you. We just don't remember. <laughs> the art school. Yeah, it's like. The it's Georgia scat. art school. Like, you oh, believe oh, me, yeah, yeah, but yeah, you yeah. can't know it. Right, right. But I'm trying to think of the thing. Oh, 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 oh. The, it was the wildebeest coming over the bank of the river. Oh, that, yeah. yeah. We really yeah, did not. Yeah. And I had to we go, but I had done it like three times. You guys didn't remember yeah. any? And then I had to go back and fucking. Yeah, I guess for the listeners who didn't know, after we recorded that, like an hour later, Rob and I get the clip. That's right. 
uh, of you proving yourself correct. That's proving right. yourself right. I got to defend myself here. Sometimes the um, uh, I'm getting attacked from both flanks. Well, I didn't say anything. Yeah, this one. Rob never says it unless you rope him into it. So that's not really fair to him. All right. Well, happy birthday to you. I love you. Thanks. And I'm you. so happy you were born. And you've Thanks. made all of our lives so much better. Thank you. All right. I'll see you later. See you on the flip side. <laughs> Thank you.